York sports fans, I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night if you're still out and about in the city that never sleeps or maybe you're just working on a weekend like usual. Me and Pat are too, everybody. We're coming to you live from the um, the Carton and Roberts studio here in lower Manhattan. You guys know that number, 877-337-6666. And I just found out that you could text it as well. So Pat is going to be manning the texts tonight. So 877-337-6666. But you know what? Pick up the phone and call. I'd love to talk to you guys. And of course, all of it loaded up with your best content only, please. You know, I just I kind of wanted to start this weekend off by wishing just everybody a happy Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, before you guys fire up your grill this holiday weekend, you know, I know it's rainy, but before you fire it up, maybe on Monday, I just want you to take a moment just to remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice in defending our country and defending our freedoms, including our right to free speech here tonight on this radio station. That's me and you, both of us. So thank you to them. Thank you to their families, as we all know. And sometimes we needed to be reminded that freedom isn't always so, um, like I had uh, last week that I was on, too, we had all three teams. Three of our New York area teams are still, this week, in the playoffs. We've got the Knicks, the Nets, and the Islanders all still alive. is a noun. The definition is an unmistakable international Morse code used to signal a ship in distress. Well, I heard that the Knicks were, like the police, sending out an SOS after Friday night's 105-94 loss to the Atlanta Hawks. You know when that game was over? When the Hawks closed the second quarter on a Trey Young-led 22-5 run. That was it. Put a fork in New York. The Knicks, save for Derrick Rose, who we'll get into in a minute, were absolutely lifeless beyond that point. I had an issue with Derrick Rose getting the start over Alfred Payton. If you recall, on my show last week, I was calling for Payton's removal from the starting five. But before you jump all over me for wanting Rose to continue to come off the bench, consider it this way. The reason why Rose got the start is because Alfred Payton and Frank Nielakina leave, let's just say, much to be desired. With Rose being told at the walkthrough Friday morning that he was going to get the start, the Knicks bench, the Knicks second unit, the Knicks second rotation, whatever you want to call it, was left without its most prolific scorer. And as you know, scoring has been hard to come by for the Knicks this season. That lack of a number two punch allowed the Hawks to capitalize in a big way. Besides, in game three, Noel... Burks, these are the bench players, Noel, Burks, Quickly, Nilakina, and Toppin, they combined for just 28 points off that bench in Game 3. The Knicks are used to getting pretty much that production from Rose alone off the bench. Through the first two games, he averaged, rounded up, or keep it the way it is, 21.5 points per game. Derrick Rose averaged just about 22 points per game off the bench. In Game 3, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 players, combined for just 28. You can't win a game like that. And by the way, I know Nilakita played only three seconds, zero points, obviously. And Alfred Payton didn't see a single minute of action after being entrusted with the starting role in games one and two. 
things that make you say, hmm, as you know, this, my show, is a solution-based show. So how would I, if I were Tom Thibodeau, fix it? I, for game four, I would keep Rose on the bench as the, number, as the two in the proverbial one-two punch, which would keep the Hawks rotations honest at least. And as I've been saying all season long, slide Emmanuel quickly into that starting guard spot and then see what happens. Whereas last week, I told you Tibbs didn't really sound open to my suggestion, and I was right. I feel that this week, he's much more open to making the change. He said, Rose has been basically playing starter minutes for a while. Then we had the problem in the second quarter, so we've got to take a look at that. Give IQ the start. And Julius Randle, the NBA's most improved player, was serenaded by the fans at State Farm Arena with a chorus of, overrated. And you know what? They aren't wrong, at least in this series. Legends in our town, in this town, are made in the postseason. Randall Julius has not lived up to his all-star self throughout this series. He clearly has much more improving to do. He finished game three with a net rating of negative 13.2, which is terrible. Clint Capella, in case you were wondering, conversely, just to compare, Clint Capella's was 23.4, positive 23.4. All legitimate questions. A, is the moment too big for Randall? B, is it his confidence level? C, is it a factor that he logged three and a quarter games worth of extra regular season minutes over the next player with the most net minutes played? R.J. Barrett, by the way. Is it a combination of all three? We can't answer that. Only Julius Randle himself can. But the fact of the matter is this. While Randle has been shooting terribly during the course of these three games, 23.6% from the field. Yes, my math is correct. I checked it twice. He actually has averaged a double-double throughout the first three games. He wasn't the only Nick with a net rating less than zero in game three. Here's the list of all the players that also did. Bullock, Gibson, Rose, Nilakina, Toppin, and Noel, they all had negative net ratings in Game 3. And oh, and R.J. Barrett, it was even worse than Randall's. The only Nick with a positive net rating was Alec Burks, and it was a whopping 4.2. You cannot win games like that. That said, it's the easy way out. It's the surface reaction to just pile on just this one player, this Julius Randall thing. And of course, deservedly so. Julius Randle has not been good, and he has done his best Harry Houdini disappearing act in these three games. No doubt. But where is the help? R.J. Barrett, only seven points and three assists in 28 minutes and 55 seconds were the work in game three. Game three, exactly zero fast break points for the entire team. You know what that tells me? That tells me that they didn't push the ball up the court enough, and it tells me that the Hawks dictated the pace of play from the jump. You can't win games like that. And uh, it's surprising for a blue-collar team that has prided itself on and even defined their identity on playing hard, never giving up, getting after it. That game three was quite frustrating to watch. There was... No sense of urgency in the final minutes. There was an uncharacteristic hesitancy or even insecurity of who was going to step up and be the leader. Just way too many passes versus just driving to the hoop. 
I counted in a row three consecutive, that means in a row, three consecutive possessions in the fourth quarter where there was either one or zero black Nick jerseys under the offensive glass as composed as opposed to three and four red Hawks jerseys. Three consecutive possessions. It was late in the fourth quarter. Completely, totally unacceptable. You may not be able to control how the ball falls or the friendliness of the rim, but you can control your effort level. And I just didn't see it from the Knicks. And it was surprising. And if you remember last week, that was one of my keys to victory for the Knicks, the offensive rebounds. Derek Rose, he said, we can't play lackadaisical on the defensive end if we know we're not getting easy buckets. Well, sir, that's a bullseye. So maybe instead of an SOS, which I don't think the Knicks are, the Knicks are ready to send out just yet, after all, they lost game one on a Trey Young basket with less than one second remaining in the game. Oh, and did you guys forget they actually won game two by nine points? The Knicks should instead be sending out the bat signal looking for Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. Where are they? Where have they been? Has the Joker taken them hostage? You know what? Give me a second. Let me go upstairs and activate the the bat signal over Gotham City right now from the top of our building here in Lower Manhattan just in time for Game 4, which tips off, oh, in about 14 hours from now. Last night took an L, but tonight I bounce back. Wake up every morning, by the night I come So the Brooklyn Nets got punched in the mouth Friday night in Boston by a Celtics team that is widely viewed as less talented, which overall they probably are. But that's why you play the game. While it technically wasn't last night that the L happened, tonight the Nets are looking to bounce back, just like Big Sean. I love Big Sean, by the way. Quick look at the team's stat lines in Game 3. We'll show you that at the conclusion of the game. Both the the Nets and the Celtics were pretty evenly matched in terms of biggest lead, number of turnovers, number of points off turnovers, points in the paint. All mostly the same or very similar figures. So how did the Nets find themselves as the final buzzer sounded, looking dejectedly up at the TD Arena scoreboard, finding themselves counting up six points to reach the Celtics score? 125-119 was the final in that game. Well, two reasons. One, uh, Jason Tatum. And number two, well, behind James Harden and Kevin Durant, who combined for 67% of the Nets' points, 80 points, where were Kyrie Irving with his 16 points? And the rest of the Nets, Irving, 16 points in a game-high 40 minutes and 49 seconds? Joe Harris, 8 points in 35 minutes? Really? Nick Claxton, 4. So Nets fans, is it time to panic? No. But everyone seems to be, but why? I told you guys last week, the Nets were going to take this series from the Celtics in 5 games. I told you they were not going to sweep the Celtics in 4. This was the game. I'm telling you. We also talked last week about how the Nets defense didn't need to be good, just needed to be good enough. Friday night, Brooklyn's defense just wasn't good enough, and that's a fact. Also a fact, and this is if I counted correctly, but in regulation games, the Nets have surrendered 125 points or more only eight times this entire regular season. And their record in those games, four wins, four losses. So once the other team gets to the 125-point threshold, it's just a coin flip for the Nets. And Friday night, it landed on the wrong side of the coin. 
and in the big picture, it's fine. Everything's fine. I also told you, and here's the exact sentence I used last week, the Nets just need to make a handful of fourth-quarter stops and not allow the opposing superstars to enjoy career nights. Sounded simple enough, right? (laughs) Maybe not so much. Despite a dreary, rainy Friday night, the Brooklyn Nets allowed Jason Tatum's star to shine brightly. Shine bright like a diamond. Maybe I should have used that song there for him. Rihanna, he replicated his incredible 50-point play-in game performance in Friday night's Game 3, putting up another 50-point spot against the Nets. That's unforgivable. That's embarrassing. And it's unsustainable. If you want to keep winning, that is. Kevin Durant said their best player had 50 points, and he got 23 from Marcus Smart. And we were still in the game late. That was a solid sign. I don't want to take no moral victory out of nothing, but we just got to come back with it next game. And they will. Kyrie, sitting next to him, nodded in approval. By the way, they did the press conference together. And speaking of Kyrie Irving, the, you know what? Most concerning to me, though, at this whole thing, is how Kyrie Irving was affected by the Celtic crowd. In my best guess, the guy's an introvert. And for sure, absolutely, we know he's an emotional player. But it's been virtually two years, and that's no pun intended, before Boston's faithful has been able to get a glimpse of Irving in black and white after he left in free agency, and they brought it. It was Irving's first time playing in front of fans in a Nets uniform, and Steve Nash said he didn't think the crowds limited Kai. I disagree. Most concerning to me was only 16 points. You know, he has only scored 16 points or less eight times this entire season. He's supposed to be the third best player out there. And in that game, he just did not fit that role. Also, concerning to me, two assists. That means he wasn't seeing the court well or creating enough spacing. And he played almost 50 minutes, by the way. Never mind only two free throws, which means he wasn't driving to the rim to try to induce contact. To me, that's the best way to get out of a bad or even a prolonged bad spell. Get to the line. I know everyone is making a big deal about Boston expecting 17,000 fans in attendance. The capacity is actually 122 seats under that. But people are not making a big deal about this part. Friday night, they had 15,743 fans at there. That was a 93% capacity. Irving has to figure it himself out for himself. I know we laughed about it earlier in the season, but maybe some more sage is in order for number 11. Well, as for the Yankees, just last week, we sat here and we talked about how encouraging the Yankees' biggest perceived weakness was, their starting pitching, has been. We talked about how Kluber, Herman, Montgomery, and Cole had combined for 30 innings of work, only letting up 14 hits and zero runs. We talked about how electric Corey Kluber has been coming off the no-hitter, which was one one walk short of a perfect game in Texas. And I've been on that Corey Kluber train from the beginning of this season, don't forget, about the inside track that the Yankees had on him. Well, what a difference a week makes. Tommy and Gina aren't the only ones living on a prayer. Cashman and the Yankees are too. Kluber is shelved for the next eight weeks with a subscapular strain in his shoulder, which is four weeks of no throwing and four weeks of building the arm back up. And the Yankees, this might be a mayday call for them in their starting pitching rotation. I mean, Kluber is going to be hard to replace. In 10 starts, 
53 innings, 58 in a third innings, I should say, 3.04 ERA, 55 strikeouts. And yes, now the Yankees are living on a prayer. Or should I say the right arm of the newly, brand newly turned 22-year-old's Davey Garcia. He entered Saturday's start with a well-documented command issues. In the minor leagues, he logged 15 and two-thirds innings with 12 walks. Yikes. And if there was ever a perfect opportunity for Garcia to transition back to the major leagues in a least amount of pressure possible situation, starting against the Tigers, who own the fourth worst win percentage in the entire league, would be it. Considering the scenario of how bad the Tigers are, yikes, Garcia lasted four and a third innings, surrendered five hits, five runs, four of which were earned, one walk, one hit by pitch, and three strikeouts. And he owns a major league ERA of 6.48. To me, he did not help his case to be a main cog in the New York Yankee rotation in Saturday's game. And you know what? Aaron Boone thought the same. The Yankees optioned him back to the AAA after, or after the game uh, on Saturday. But the one little thing that he can give a little bit of strength, he finished with 88 pitches. But, like, this wouldn't have looked so bad if the Yankees could just give him some run support. So far, against the lowly Tigers, the Yankees have hit, ready for this? Are you sitting down? 0 for 14 with runners in scoring position. 0 for 14 versus the Detroit Tigers. Needless to say, they lost Saturday 6-1. to And now later today, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Yankees are just looking to avoid the sweep against the Tigers. What a week Yankee fans are going to be in for this week when the Rays and the Red Sox on the schedule. So we've we've got all that on the table. Plus, we've got to break down an Islanders at Bruins game one loss for the Islanders. I would have put Varlamov in the in the goal crease, but that's just me. I tweeted it before the game. Check the timestamp. And we could also talk about a Mets absolute rout of the Braves. That was quite surprising to me. So it's all on the table for you guys. We have a busy night ahead. We have uh, till 6 a.m. We've got, you know, almost four hours left to go here. I've set the table for you guys. It is time to eat your 2 a.m. snacks. Can't wait to talk with you guys on this Memorial Day weekend, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan, After Midnight, on the fan in New York City. Working on a weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Swear they passed us. They doing too much. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. That's right, here Virgil on this Memorial Day weekend, Pat and I. This is always the kickoff song after the first break. Working on a weekend like usual. If you guys are too, give us a call, 877-337-6666. Or maybe you're just enjoying the holiday weekend. That too, it's a rainy weekend, so maybe you guys are cooped up in the house. Maybe we should get in the house, in the house, bored, bored in the house. <laughs> you guys want to give us a call, 877-337-6666. And, you know, guys, just a quick correction. I, as soon as I saw this, I, I knew it wasn't right. The Knicks and Hawks had a 93% capacity. The Nets and Celtics at the TD Garden had a 26% capacity. So I just wanted to, to fix myself there. I knew that didn't sound right. I just looked it up on the break. Um, so there's that, okay? Um, but, you know, this week I was supposed to go to my first Yankee game since the 2019 ACLS on Wednesday, but I didn't. And if you guys know me at all, you know, or I'm going to tell you now, that it rains on every single important thing that I have plans for. I mean, we're talking 
College graduations, both of them, it rained. High school graduation party, that was a literal monsoon. So, like, you know, just everything. And that also includes the Met game that we went to a few weeks ago for my dad's birthday. And it started and didn't stop raining in, like, the fourth or, I mean, the the fifth or maybe the sixth inning. I think it was the sixth. So, it's my fault. I really should have been expecting the rain when I bought the tickets to the Yankee game a month ago. I was still disappointed. The game was rained out. I guess the best thing was, though, that they announced it at, like, 5.20 p.m., which was pretty good since we were not yet on our way there and we weren't there. That would have been even worse. That's happened to me before, too. But still. I got a problem with this because we weren't even able to just you go online and have to click exchange, you know, they let you pick from like three games. And when you pick on any single one of them, it says there are no tickets available yet. I'm still getting 50% off ticket offers in my email for the race series for the Red Sox series. I mean, like what? So I guess I'm just going to have to keep you guys updated on, on which game we end up getting. I, I tried calling and, and they left at four and it was like four thirty when I called on Friday. So I'm just going to have to keep you guys updated. So, um, we are going to plan on hitting hitting the bar scene outside the stadium before the game. So, I, I, you know, no ad, no advertisements or anything. I just don't know which one we're going to go to just yet. But I will keep you guys updated um, in case you want to stop by and say hi. Well, a socially distance. Hi. Cool. All right, let's go to the calls. 877-337-6666. One more time. And we're going to try the text line tonight. 877-337-6666 is also the number for that. Pat's going to be manning that. Um He'll read out a couple good ones if you guys wanted to. Also, too, you guys can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N if you got anything or uh, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. So here we go. Kevin in Camden is the leadoff caller tonight, Kevin. What is up this week? I'm good. I hope it doesn't rain for me when I go. But <laughs> um, but I want to talk about the, the Knicks and the Mets. I'm yeah. going to talk about the Mets first. With all the injuries that we've suffered, and we've suffered pretty much the entire teams on the I.L. Yes. The Mets lead the league in players on the I.L. with 16. And the fact that we're winning, just, it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, we, we're getting, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Replacements, because that's basically <laughs> what this team is. It's the replaced Mets. Mm. Oh, I like it's, that, Kevin. The replaced Mets. It's been turning on Twitter. I kind of got a few hours ago. I haven't but, seen it. But half the, t- half the team, we don't even know. I mean, there's a lot of ex-Yankees on there. There's Brandon Drury. There's Brandon McKinney. I mean, you know, these are guys that half the league has, we haven't even heard of. Cameron Mabin, I almost forgot he was in the league. <laughs> Cameron Mabin got his first hit tonight, by the way. Yeah, one, one for like 27. Or... One for 28. Well, I mean, he got the well, hit. He got he up again, over yeah. 27 and he got one. Block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But no, it was, no it's a, and the pitching's holding its own. But I'm, I'm telling you, I just hope that this team continues it, you know, because we're three, and, we're three and a half up now, but I'm kind of worried because if the guys come back, you know, like Conforto and Alonso. <laughs> if they come back, they, come they back. might start losing. I know, that's what I'm really <laughs> worried about, but we'll, you know, I'll take the wins anyway we can get them at this you point. You know what, and, and I thought, I'm pretty sure I saw on Twitter also, speaking of, the Mets mm-hmm. don't look now, but I think they have the biggest divisional lead over the second place team in the entire league. I mean, like, what? Uh, what? That's true. I saw, I saw it on Twitter. That's true. What? Um, I got, but I got to talk about the Knicks, too. Oh, man. It's not positive here. Uh, my prediction last week, it went out the window. I said they would win two at home, and they did not. Yeah. I, this team, I think, I said this to Lori, that I think just, just playing too tight and too nervous. Like, the Hawks planned their whole strategy on Randall, mm-hmm. and it's showing. Mm-hmm. The whole team, I mean, it's just, 
And Peyton, and Peyton, why was he starting? I mean, he didn't start the last game, but he shouldn't have started the first two. I mean, yeah, I, I told you, I told you before, Peyton does nothing for me. He, he, he should have been traded at the deadline for me. Yeah, what are you going to get uh, for him, though? Uh, That's a, That would have been the problem. I would have, I would have gotten a second-round pick, so I don't care. <laughs> I would have gotten anything for him. I just, <laughs> but the whole team, I mean, I just, the outside of quickly and topping, they all look like they're pressured. I mean, Rose, no, and, and Gibson, I guess not, but the team looks like they're under, they're under stress. And I'm telling you, this, I don't think they're going to win the series. But watching the way they look, I don't think they're going to win. As much as it pains me, because I want this team to win, but I just don't see it now with the way that they're playing like this. I don't have any confidence in the game today. Yeah, I, I, should, I mean, I don't. It, it doesn't help that that RJ Barrett dropped in what of all of seven points in Game Three. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks just have to have a, a, a completely different strategy uh, coming coming out in, into Game Four. I mean. Why not start Emmanuel quickly? The guy took a, a, a three-pointer as soon as he walked in, get, got in the game the other day from, like, four feet beyond the three-pointer. He There's no fear. Like he said, there's that's, no fear no, in him. That's, that's true. That's so true. let's let's I, do it. I also would have started Burks because Burks, like, is a de facto guard, too. I would have started him, too. Yeah. See what that does, but I just I, I just have no confidence. And my question too is, how does Alfred Payton go from starting games one and two to not seeing a single minute in game three? That's Thank you. I don't understand. Thibodeau, that's his one problem. He's always had this. He plays his guys. He, that's his one problem throughout his coaching career. He plays his guys. He doesn't defer from it. He doesn't. And that's his problem. That's why the Bulls never won. That's why the Timberwolves flamed out after that one year. He has never wavered from his guys. And that's his detriment. That's his detriment. Mm. It's just... I. Well, listen, Kevin, the, the one thing I'll say yeah. is this. The, game one, they lost on a Trey Young floater with .9 seconds left. So they were in mm-hmm. that game till the very end. They won yeah. game two, and uh, maybe they just got intimidated. I mean, they really don't have much ex- playoff experience, so maybe they just got intimidated down there. I, in Atlanta, think, game I three. think that's exactly it. And I just, I just, I have no, again, the confidence has to be there, but I just don't see it. Randall looks like... He's frustrated, and it's just, it's, uh, just, it's just, I can't even. I'm just. Yeah. I want them to win, but I just don't see it. I mean, well, they, I, I, I'm happy either way. This is, <laughs> you know, I didn't expect to make the playoffs, so I'll take it. Well, but we'll, we'll have this I conversation next week. If in fact they yep. do lose, Kevin, we'll ha- we'll have that conversation next week. But for right Sounds now, good, coach. I'm still Kevin. Thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it as always. Um, listen, I'm not wavering at off my prediction here, guys. I'm still going Nixon seven. With that said, if there's any game that's a must-win, it's it's oh, the 1 p.m. game Sunday sounds good. Later today, you know, Julius Randle missing. R.J. Barrett even more missing. Where was he? That's an essential question. Another thing, the Knicks shot in game three, 35.5% from the field. Compare that against the Hawks, 51.9%. I mean, there, there's the difference in the game right there. And please, if I see Derrick Rose in this starting rotation, the game is over before it even starts. He has to remain in that second shift, that second rotation, that second lineup, or else there's no punch. Trey Young can get a, get a breather, get a rest, rest up for the next series. Might as well. It just... 
It was just uncharacteristic that the, the number one defense in the NBA just got, got absolutely shredded by Trey Young and then lobbed City with Clint Capella. I told you it was going to happen. We talked about it. We did talk about it. So, R.J. Barrett, I, I, I lit the bat signal for you. Julius Randle, I lit one for you, too. If you guys look out your windows, I'm sure you can see it if you live local to Manhattan here. Uh, let's go to Dave in Bensonhurst. You're up on the fan, Dave. Hey, Danielle, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, Dave? All right, just before I get to the Mets, I just want to say uh, if Kyrie had uh, the jitters because he went, quote-unquote, home for the first time in two years. Absolutely. The other night with 5,000 fans, he's in for a rude awakening tomorrow or today because yep. today the, the limits go up. They get, I think they're going to be half capacity today. 17,000, I think almost close to full capacity, yeah, honestly. Yeah, right. It, it goes up. It's crazy from yep. one day to the next. But, yep. you know, I, I still think they'll bounce back. But um, I wanted to say from every time I listen to you every week, whatever you say winds up actually happening the next week. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you have a crystal ball something? What's no, going on over there? You know, I, I just do some really good homework. I really study, and then I really think critically about it all, and then – no, you you could tell it shows you you are like one of the most prepared I, monologues like in the show. You and Steve Summers, I gotta say, I, the two best monologues ever. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I try. I try All my right. best. Well, let me get to this craziness known as the Mets because I, I don't know what to do. Like this <laughs> team is killing me. They're killing you. They won thirteen to two. I know. No. No. No, I know. I don't mean tonight. I mean, tonight was great because they completely demoralized the Braves. And I hate the Braves. They demoralized them on national TV. So that was fantastic. That's a great but, word. Demor- that's a great word to, to summarize that game. Good one. That's, that's exactly what happened. I mean, because mm-hmm. like that other caller said, he hit it right on the head. It was like the, it's like the replacements. Yeah. But that's where I'm making my point. Now, I'm scared because before the injuries, the team wasn't so great defensively, and the outfield was a real weakness. Now it's a pretty good strength they, with Maven and this kid McKinney. I mean, they covered tremendous ground, and the other four uh, center fielders before they got hurt. Um, yeah. And now I love I love Bilar at third base. I don't want J.D. Davis to play third base, or at least platoon them or something, because this guy's got to be in the lineup. He, yeah. he makes tremendous plays. He can steal a bit. They changed the whole chemistry of this team now. This team now they're hit and run. They steal bases. They, they, they once they get the regular lineup back, they can't do any of this anymore. Yeah, you know, and, and Villar he missed a, a grand slam. Did you see it by by two feet, Villar, yeah. early in the game? Well, you know, that, yeah, but he made it. You see the home run he hit four hundred and thirty feet after that dead center. Yep, it went right into the the uh, the apple right out there, like a skee ball yeah. game. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just I'm worried. I'm I'm really. Uh, and who the hell knew that that McCann could play first base like that? I mean, where did that come from? <laughs> well, did you see the first play he made? That diving stop that he made. I yeah. was like, whoa! And he he hit Crazy. his he he hit his face hard on the dirt though. <laughs> yeah, he did, but he didn't show it. No, nope. but that's the other thing now. Alonzo's coming back maybe at the end of this week. I'm not sure. So oh, what, and what happens now? You you can't take Nito out of the lineup either. You're gonna have to platoon both of those guys behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I just don't even know what to do anymore. And with the now, thank God Lugo's coming back now on Monday, so that strengthens the bullpen. And now you could take, uh, I guess, Gaselman maybe and make him the long man, and and get make you know give up on his Yamamoto project. Nice guy, but. He's just not going to cut it even when he gets off the injured list. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, he just, it's like 
he has no movement. Everything's right over the plate. But yeah, yeah. what do you think? No, did you see Noah Syndergaard's tweet yesterday? He says I'm, everything is a okay. Yeah. I'll see you soon. Yep. Well, I don't understand like with the contradictions between what he says and what the team says. I, I mean, the X-rays were negative. No structural damage. They say this and that. So I, I think they're just erring on, you know, on, on the side of caution here because mm-hmm. of the, you know, what it was. But I don't think they should even bother rushing. Right. Because this division is a mess. Exactly. Right. I mean, when Carrasco comes back, look, I mean, look at us. Look at the starters we have now. They got to be leading the league besides, uh, besides, uh, you know, the kid. Right. Look at the ERAs of, of DeGrom, Stroman, and Walker. Yeah. And, and Dave, all, all great points there, Dave. And listen, because i got to hit the break here. But listen, the, the, the Mets, did you ever think the Mets were going to – by the way, Alonzo comes back. He's out until at least May 30th, Alonzo is. So when, when you look at the Mets, and, and, and good call there, Dave. Lots to bring up, and, and I, I know I have to hit the break, and we can talk a little bit more about this. But in terms of, like, platooning, it's going to have to be that way. Look at that. Luis Rojas has all of these options ahead of him moving forward. You're right. The whole complexion of this team has changed. Yes, that is true. And they're winning games. That there's a lot to be said for that. And I and I know maybe Mets fans don't want to hear it, but but that kind of stems from the manager. McCann can play first base all of a sudden, right? And then this whole thing with Syndergaard, I think there's no like you said, there's no need to rush him back. The Mets pitchers are doing fine. That's this week. You know, things change week to week, but the Mets pitchers are just they're doing fine. They don't need to rush him back and getting him back what, looks like mid-August. That's just going to be like like an addition at a late late uh, trade deadline. It's just an addition. There there can't be a subtraction with that. So the Mets, they're in a really good spot. And guess what? I did put some money on them to win the World Series before the season even started. I knew they were going to be in a big spot. Mets fans, for the best coverage of the New York Mets, look no farther than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Their talented staff of writers are committed to full, comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, and in-depth analysis of the Metropolitans and the entire minor league system. Metsmerize Online is the go-to place for all you diehard fans, so grab your smartphones, grab your tablets, grab your desktops, and get to Metsmerized today. It's the relaunch of the Guns N' Roses show at MetLife Stadium August 5th. Tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com. And starting Tuesday, we'll be giving away at least six pairs a day during our Guns N' Roses box office blitz on The Fan and streaming on WFAN.com. like So... Saturday afternoon. By the way, Danielle McCartan here on The Fan. Back with you guys until 6 a.m. Back in the New York groove till 6 a.m. on The Fan. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N is the Twitter. And uh, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan as well. So Saturday afternoon, I'm preparing for the show. All day Saturday, I wake up. I get on the computer all day long. I get a text from a, a number that doesn't normally pop up in my phone. It was a picture message with a little bit of text with it, and it was from Big Zoo. He sent me a picture message of a Vanderbilt numbered 32 jersey, a helmet, and a pads combination in like this glass case. And he wrote, Sarah Fuller display at the College Football Hall of Fame. That was pretty cool to see. So, so thanks for thinking of me. 
So I was thinking like, wait, obviously the College Football Hall of Fame is in Atlanta. And then I started thinking of like, wait a second. Was this the story that my dad was telling me about the other day? Because he is not the best storyteller. Okay. Is, and then I'm like, wait, this must have been the guy that Boomer sent to Atlanta to watch the Knicks game. And then when I got here, kind of confirmed that with producer Pat. And Pat kind of filled me in with the whole story here. But yes, Zoo was sent to Atlanta by Boomer. My dad, my dad told me it was a listener. I was like, dad, that didn't sound right. What's the story? No, yeah, so Zoo um, is a huge Knicks fan, and obviously he's been producing here now for, I think, three, four years almost. Um, and, he, and he did a shirtless reaction video on Twitter after the Game 2 win, and Zoo got a lot of traction. You know, He got a lot of followers after he uh, did, ran the board for Boomer and Geo back uh, during Christmas when he filled in Freddie Scazzeri. So he was, you know, became a fan favorite, and then he did that, and then, of course, Boomer and Geo talked about it on Friday and Zoo blew up even more. and <laughs> He went viral. And he was filling in. And, and uh, yeah, and, and, you know, if you were watching or listening on Friday morning, Boomer brought him in the studio and they were talking to him. He goes, hey, you want to you go to Atlanta? And I, the, the look on Zoo's face was unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, I know Boomer hooked it up. Gave him two tickets for both game three, which was Friday night, and game four later this afternoon. Got him to Atlanta, hooked him up with the uh, one of the Hawks owners, and uh, Zoo has been killing it ever since all weekend long, posting videos of him chugging beers, just uh, his whole weekend in Atlanta. So it's it's been really, it's been tremendous to see Zoo, the content machine, lighten it up. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. So thanks for the text there, Zoo. Um, where where do we want to ask Boomer to send us? Where do you want to go? I'll, let's go to Vegas. Yeah, okay, let's go to Vegas. The Jets, Jets are the Giants. Are they going to Vegas this year? No, I think they're both. I think one of them plays the Raiders, and I think they're home. Mm. Uh, let me look at the Raiders schedule. Let's say <laughs> well, you're a Browns fan anyway, though. I am. So maybe the Browns are. But uh, yeah, and Boomer, if you're listening, we would like to <laughs> we would like to go Santa Claus to, yeah. <laughs> to Las Vegas. You, you, yes. I don't know. I don't know if he said to me anywhere. Uh, let's see. Uh, at New York Giants, they play at Cleveland. Um, oh, that would be beautiful. Yeah. On the lake. Yeah, but uh, let's see. We could pick from the Ravens. The Dolphins, the Bears, the Eagles, Chiefs. That's what I want to go. Raiders, Chiefs. <laughs> at Arrowhead? No, at oh, in in Vegas. Vegas. Uh, see Mahomes, Patty Mahomes. Yeah. That's the one I want to go to. Boomer, if you're listening, send us there. I like to stay at the Delano. That's my favorite hotel. Or the <laughs> Cosmopolitan. <laughs> oh, speaking of... Be, what? Go ahead. I was going to say, maybe that'll be a thing. The WFA and hosts uh, do a, a wish list for Boomer. That's right. <laughs> I'm on it, officially. So are you. <laughs> and there's that. So, 877-337-6666 is the number. Glad that Big Zoo is having a big fun time there in ATL. Hopefully he can bring the Knicks some luck. And if he, if the Knicks lose again, he was clearly uh, part of the problem. He was the reason why they lost. All right, back in the order that you guys called, James in Monroe, you're up on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How, How are you? you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I want to talk about the Knicks, and I want to talk about the Mets. Knicks-Mets. Um, Got it. Okay. With the Knicks, uh, so much that I agree with you as far as what's going on with the Knicks, as far as their players and what they're doing and what they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, very big point that the Knicks, I don't know what it is, but under the boards, they look so horrific. I mean, they have gotten dominated on the boards 
and that's a very big part of what's going on with their team. That that's one of the reasons why they're they're really getting muscled under the boards and they're not getting out on on the transaction very fast. Yeah, and you know that's like that's like an effort thing, which is weird to me because they are always put in good effort, and that's weird to me that they're getting dominated so dominated on the boards. It looks like they look like they they have like got their body drained or something. I don't know. Even when I'm watching Randall shooting, mm-hmm. he's not even getting off his feet to shoot the ball. Like he's just shooting the ball towards the net, but he's not getting off his feet to get any kind of arc. So if you notice a lot of their players are coming up short on their jumpers, it's like they look tired. They look run down. A lot of it has to do with, let me tell you something. The, the Hawks, have really dominated them defensively. You know, they have stopped the Knicks. The Knicks are not penetrating the lane. Mm-hmm. They're just and when they and when they're jumping in the air, they're trying to pass while they're up in the air and a lot of their passes get intercepted or get thrown out of bounds. That's a very big point of what's going on with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I think the Knicks are still gonna rebound like you do and I think that the Knicks are gonna win this series. Yep. I really believe that. I think the Knicks are a better team than them. Yeah. I just think that they just came out flat I just think that, you know, they got to change it up a little bit. And the point that you made, which is excellent, about Derrick Rose coming in on the second unit. Yep. That is, when they have their second unit right now out on the floor, there's nobody to score. And that's a very big point of why they have gotten dominated when they have Trey Young on the, on the bench. And they don't score. They just don't score the Knicks. You know exactly. Got, I mean, you that's right. Put him back. You got to put him back on the second unit and and, and give IQ the start, man. It, it's about time the, the guy gets a start. Yeah, quickly. I'm telling you, quickly. The three point shooting machine. I know they should give, they should give him a shot. I tell my son all the time that you know when he comes in, he's a blast. He comes in, he takes those three pointers. He don't care where they're from. Yeah, fearless, yeah. fearless. Okay, and my point with the with the Mets mm-hmm. is, you know what? Um, one of your callers just called in a little while ago, and he was discussing, uh, you know, VR at at, at third, uh, base, third yeah. base. Mm-hmm. You know what? That guy has played third base like no other Met has played in a while. Yeah, I mean, some great plays. I mean, he, he caught a rocket. What was it? The first inning, a rocket right back to him at third base. I mean, whoa! Like self defense almost. He's been doing this since he got the third base job. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has made. So many great plays at third base. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He's he's contributed hitting-wise. You know, I mean, he, like you said, he almost had that grand slam tonight, and then he had the home run. Mm-hmm. But he's he's been a really good find for third base. I'm serious. Yeah, nice little and, surprise he is, yeah. And you know what? Like your caller was saying before, you know, when uh, J.D. Davis comes back, right now I would put, stick him in second base. I'm sorry. Because uh, – I see VR, their defense is so good. That's a lot of reasons why with the excellent pitching and their defense, that's why they've won these really close games because they're making all the big plays. You understand? Yeah, for sure. And I'm just looking up J.D. Davis, though. I've, I, he has never played second base ever in a major league game. But but that's not to say that he can't. I mean, look at McCann. He he had never played oh, first can't. base. So. You know what the fun thing? He can't play third base either. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. He he's a he's a prototypical DH is what he is. With that double clutch that he does all the time and everything. He was like yeah. remember David Wright used to have that problem for a while yep. where he double clutch and you know, the play would be like a little late at first base. Oh, David Wright turned out all right though, didn't he? Oh no, we lost him. James, we lost you. Sorry about that. Uh David Wright turned out all right, didn't he? 
But yeah, he, Villar, I got to watch out that I don't say Pilar, but Villar with a V, he's been a, a really good surprise there uh, over there at, at third base, the hot corner, playing a good defense, got a good glove, and um, got a little pop in his bat. I'm I'm for it. I'm here for it. Let's go to Paul, the Big Islander fan in Floral Park. Paul, what's hey. up? Oh, <laughs> why? I'm good. What's How going on, Danielle? Going good. What'd you think of the game, Paul? Uh, well, uh, we got to make adjustments. Okay. Yeah, Barry Trotz is good. Yeah, because um, the, you know the Boston Bruins are are, are yeah a super fast team here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> super fast, super so, physical. So, yes. Oh yeah, they are all of the above. But um, uh, Justin Wilson, uh, to, what, to, what are the Yankees uh, going to do with with this clamp? How long before they pulled the plug on him? Well, he's already, uh, I think yeah. they already might have. He, his hamstring injury has sent him to the I.L. I think the experiment oh, is over. Okay. 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 And uh, the Knicks, uh, they get to they get to loosen up here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus, yeah, I Lord know. have mercy. It's like the, yeah. you know, loosen up is a good thing because it's like they're they're playing with house money anyway. It's like no one really yeah. expected them to get that far. So like, what right. the heck, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, there you go. All right, I'll let, I'll let you go because you get other people ahead of you. Yeah. So it's good to talk to you, Paul. All always, right, always, always fun, Paul. Always. Always fun. And on Twitter as well. He, he he tweets me all the time, DMs me all the time, which is which is cool. So, Big Islander fan, 5-2. They lost to the Bruins. 5-2. I, I you know, I always try to get a little a little uh a little shut eye before the show starts. I mean, I'm up when I leave here, it's for like 20 I'm up for like 24 hours. So, this I got half an hour worth of sleep. I actually fell asleep for about half an hour, but when I I turned the TV off, I had to after the end of the second period, and it was fairly close, actually. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm like rolling over and checking, I, you know, rolling over, checking. Five to two. Five to two. And, of course, the series is 1-0 Bruins lead in the series. And adjustments. Paul, Paul's looking for adjustments. Yeah, um, the one thing I would make, and, I t- you could, and we can get into this, too, coming up, but... I tweeted before the game started that my goaltender of choice for the Islanders was Simeon Simeon Varlamov. I, I just I didn't see I didn't want to see Sorokin in the net because listen, two reasons. Varlamov has better numbers versus Boston this season than Sorokin does. He's he's got the confidence factor. Whereas Sorokin against this particular team doesn't. And as a player, I, I, when I, we went down to Cliffside Park to play, I was like, mm, this pitcher, uh, she usually pitches pretty good against me. It's like this this thing in your mind that's like, well, or or like when we went to Tenafly, I, I was like, yeah, Tenafly, I can always beat him. I always have a good game versus Tenafly, and I always did. So it's like, as a player, you're like, all right, I do well versus this team. It's just a mindset. I don't know what it is. I'm not a sports psychologist, but Varlamov has it, has the it factor, the confidence factor against the Boston Bruins. And that's one of the reasons. And the intangibles. Look, imagine you're him. You know you've got the better numbers versus this particular team, and your coach still picks the other guy. It must mean, then, you can conclude that your team has little to no confidence in you. Clearly, Sorokin can't be... In in the goal 
for all the games. So I'd be curious to see what Varlamov's mindset is going to be in his next start, how this decision affects him, because I don't think it's it's a positive um, connotation with him. And I, I got I, I didn't do this, but I got to give a prediction for the Islanders. Um, I would say I think it's going to be a, a six game series. And do the Islanders win? Well, that's going to be dependent upon Matt Barzell. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. WFAN. Welcome back at the top of the 3 a.m. hour here on The Fan. That was Mike McCann with an update, of course. I forgot to say it right before it. Um, listen, you guys, we have an exciting weekend. I have papers all over the place in here. An exciting weekend in New York sports. We've got three teams in the playoffs. The Knicks, the Nets, and the Islanders. The Nets won a, uh, what was the word the caller used before? What did he say? Embarrassed the Braves on national TV. I might have missed that one. Uh, I forgot forgot what he used, but the Mets embarrassed the Braves on national TV. 13-2. I mean, hitting. James McCann had a home run. Villar had a home run. McKinney had a home run. Lindor. Oh, Francisco Lindor had one as well. Mets put in a four-home run performance, scored 13 runs. Obviously, that's a season high. And uh, Kevin sent me a tweet, Kevin from Camden, uh, a tweet from Anthony DeComo saying that a source says that outfielder Mason Williams, who hit a grand slam tonight and was batting 383 at AAA Syracuse, is on his way to join the Mets. Um, I don't know much about him. But he does have six years of MLB experience with the Yankees, Reds, and Orioles. That's kind of cool. And another tweet I got on the on the break was from Dave at Gangring780. He said people were actually sending Zoo spending money via Venmo. As of Friday morning around 9 a.m., Boomer said Big Zoo had t- over $2,000 sent to him on Venmo. Yeah, and then double that. By the time he he left for Atlanta Friday evening, Friday afternoon, he had four thousand one hundred dollars. Out of here, forty one hundred dollars. I hope he spent it. I hope he is spending it well. And I actually I tweeted at uh, Magic City, the Magic City Kitchen, the strip club, famous in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. That uh, also then became famous last year during the bubble when Lou Williams left the bubble to get wings from Magic City. Wings, right? I said, hook my boy up, uh, hook my boy Zoo up when he gets to Atlanta. I tweeted at them. They liked the tweet, didn't respond, but mm-hmm. yeah, well. I can't believe that Venmo account. What? Yeah. Should I give out my Venmo? My Venmo is. <laughs> What's yours, Pat? <laughs> I'm just kidding, you guys. Um, well, that's cool. Good for you, Zoo. Good for you. Sounds like an awesome... I can't wait. Next week when he comes in here, I can't wait. To... I want to like have him... As soon as he walks in, I want to have him on to talk about it when he walks through the door uh, next week. If he's not still in Atlanta. <laughs> might not come back. He might not come back. He might be, you know what he might be? He might be taking that $4,000 and spending it on a courtside seat at the Garden. He's going to be sitting next to Spike Lee at the Garden. Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I think there's a good chance I'm going to game five. Really? Oh, yeah. What day, what day is that? Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Because hmm. they play today and then they got the two days off. So they play Wednesday night, game five at the Garden. Good chance I'm going. I don't want to say it's definite, but there's a good chance I'll hmm. be at the Garden. I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> oh, I got, I just, it's just sounded so electric there through the TV that I just want to go experience it. 
Even if, you know, forget. I, mean, I can't imagine another five thousand. Yeah, and having a sold out garden, twenty twenty one thousand people, but fifteen thousand. Man, it's good to good to have sports and and fans back, and you know, basically be back to normal. Almost, we are almost there. Let's go back to the calls eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Vernon in Manhattan, you're up in the three o'clock hour. You're first up, Vernon. What's up? Hey, Daniel, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Mets doing well, so that's pretty nice. Understatement of the uh, night. <laughs> yeah. The Groms will be pitching Sunday, so I guess the Mets are going to score 13 runs for the Grom. Am I right? You know what it is, Vernon? What happened was they used up all their runs tonight because they don't plan on scoring any later today. <laughs> that, that's that's what's going on here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, anyway, from last Sunday, I want to talk to you about Women's baseball. And what I'm about to tell you and the fans who are listening, you are going to be in shock what I'm about to say. Tell me. And I will back this up with film footage. Do you know a story about Jackie Mitchell? No. Okay. Jackie Mitchell grew up as a little girl, and her father taught her how to pitch. She was like a tomboy. And as growing up, uh, this took place in 1931. She was a left-hand pitcher. And as she grew up, she went to baseball camp. And from baseball camp, there was a professional pitcher that actually taught Jackie Mitchell how to pitch certain pitches. One of the games Jackie was pitching in She struck out nine batters. Hmm. This caught the attention of a minor league baseball team, uh, Matt Ona. He actually hired Jackie Mitchell to pitch on his team with the men, and she got a salary. While when she was pitching, the New York Yankees were coming in, and they ended up going there to play an exhibition game at that team. Of course, the Yankees won. Mm -hmm. But here's the kicker that's going to cause you not to believe, like I said, I have film footage of this. Jackie Mitchell struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back-to-back. If anyone here don't believe me, look at the story of Jackie Mitchell. There's four different film footage about this woman. So when Babe Ruth come up to the plate to meet against Jackie Mitchell, she threw four pitches. And this is the videotape you can see. I'm, I'm Googling first, it. SmithsonianMagazine.com looks like they have it. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. So when she threw the first pitch, it was a ball. The second pitch she threw, Babe Ruth swung and missed it. The third pitch she threw, Babe Ruth swung and missed it. Then when she threw the fourth pitch, she didn't swing. And the pitch came in low, but the umpire called a strike three. Babe Ruth got angry, threw down the bat, and started fussing at the umpire. Mm-hmm. Now, after that incident, the next one to come up was Lou Gehrig. So guess what they did? They cut the film so you wouldn't see her pitch to Lou Gehrig. What? When Lou Gehrig came to the plate... She threw three pitches 
and struck out Lou Gehrig. Later on, she was pulled from the game because she had done a walk. <clears throat> now, the thing was, this information got back to the commissioner of baseball because the men back there said, oh, this was a hoax. This was a put-on. This wasn't real. Look at her putting the powder on her nose. So this wasn't real. If it wasn't real, why did the commissioner ban her from minor league baseball? So she was banned from minor league baseball, and he made sure she wouldn't get to professional league baseball. He banned her from professional league baseball. And the reason the commissioner said this, he said, because it's a tough sport, and women should not be in sports. Well, Jackie was playing basketball at the tournament, so she lost her money to help herself go to college. So after this incident, the things kept going back and forth, if it was real or not real. Jackie Mitchell passed away at the age of 76. And to her dying day in her grave, she says she struck them both out. Hmm. Now, here's the kicker that's going to say, I don't believe it. I don't believe it, Vernon. How old do you think Jackie Mitchell was when she struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Garrett back to back? How old do you think she was? All right. So I, I watched, as you were talking, I watched her strike out Babe Ruth and the caption I'm, I, I cheated this. It says it. It says on April second, nineteen thirty-one, seventeen-year-old Jackie Mitchell struck out the New York Yankees slugger. Seventeen. That's correct. She was seventeen years old, and when she got banned from baseball, she ended up going back home, sadly, to her father, where he had an eyeglass place. But if this was a question about the commissioner saying it was too tough, during World War II, men had to go to fight. So they opened up the baseball league for women. That mm -hmm. movie came out, a league of their own. Mm -hmm. They quickly went to Jackie and asked her to come and pitch in the women's league. She turned them down. So what happened was that never went through. But as you look at this whole thing and see what's going on, there are four different film footage about the story. I wish everybody get a chance to take a look at this. And hopefully they don't pull that film off the, off the air where she's striking it on Babe Ruth. So you can remember the name of Jackie Mitchell. Tom Hanks said this in baseball. And I know men were angry back then that Jackie did this. Tom Hanks said these famous words. There's no crime in baseball. <laughs> Fans, please look at Jackie Mitchell and have a nice day. Vernon, thanks for the call. That was, that was a cool story. Um, you know, and, and here's a story too. Here's my own story, my own Jackie Mitchell story. I, I think you guys know, played baseball until they made me switch to softball at freshman year of high school. So it was in uh, we called it farm division, which was like the 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 league right after t-ball. So what are you in, like you know, second grade, second, third, fourth grade, whatever it is? Uh, no, second and third, I think it was. So anyway, so I'm uh, I'm on the mound. I was a pitcher, baseball pitcher, on the mound. I am mowing down these 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 boys, mowing them down. And, you know, the field wasn't obviously an MLB field because the, the pitching mound had a big divot um, uh, next to the rubber. You know what I mean? Big. Like, I tried with my cleats, you know, push, pushing the dirt in, but every time it came out. So whatever. So it's a big thing. So 
the one coach from the other team, who I still remember this like it was yesterday, he stormed out of the dugout. And this is like second and third graders playing. He stormed out of the dugout onto the field, crossed over the third baseline onto the field. And he said, you are not pitching from the rubber. And I was like, I looked at him and I looked at the the hole in the ground and and I tried to say to him, like, I I can't even if I wanted to, I can't. But before I said that, my coach started arguing with him and he started arguing with him. The umpire got involved in this whole big thing. And then I ended up, they took me out of the game and I don't know why. I was pitching fine, just like Joey Lucchese last week. I don't know why they took me out. But yeah, so there's my story. I didn't strike out Babe Ruth or anything, but I did strike out a bunch of bunch of boys in the farm division. And uh yeah, his his dad haven't talked to him since. You know, small town. My locker last his last name started with Mick. So our lockers were next to each other all throughout high school and uh we never talked about it either. But yeah, I, I couldn't pitch from the rubber even if I wanted to, just the way that the field was manicured. Obviously I would have been pitching from the rubber if I could. So yeah, so that's my little story there too. Okay, let's go to, in the order that you guys call it, Miriam. I see you guys. This, you guys are great tonight. I see you. Be patient. Be patient. Everybody's going to get their chance here. Miriam in Forest Hills. Miriam. How are you doing? What's up with the Islanders tonight? Uh, bad 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? There's something that's not happening. They're not, when they have face-off and they win, they're not shooting the puck forward. Mm. They have to, in order to get closer to the net, you have to get someone to the net and, you know, go forward. Because if you don't do that, what will happen is what the Bruins did. They took the puck away, and you can't do that. They have to shoot the puck forward. And please, Matt Barzell, score some goals. You know what? I was just about to – I said – I just wrote down, Matt Barzell, still no points, only one shot on had, goal. In in Pittsburgh, he had a great chance. Sidney Crosby stole the puck from him. He had a great chance against you know in Pittsburgh, but he couldn't score because Sidney Crosby took dove. And took the puck away. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, he is, him getting going or the failure to get going is kind of the reason why I'm picking the Penguins, or, I mean, I'm sorry, the Bruins to win this in six. Well, if the Bruins, the one thing I think will happen is he's got to realize he's got to help. So if he does and he gets points, the Islanders are winning seven. Mm-hmm. But he has to help. Now, I can tell you, I play baseball differently than you do. I play with a ball that beats. Have you ever heard of a beeper ball? No. Blind people cannot see the ball. So there's a ball that was made, a softball, that they put a device in that beats, and the person would throw it, and you'd hear it coming, and you'd hit it. Really? Yep. My problem is I don't run. (laughs) I have a bad foot. Okay. But I hit a beeper ball so far that they didn't want me playing anymore. No way. Yeah. (laughs) That's not fair. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But I did play with a ball that you bounce. You could bounce to volleyball, and I could hit it. Really? And I could also hit a ball off a tee, but I'm short, so they had to make the tee so that it was, you know, but I could do it. But I can play. I don't I don't run too well, but I was the first DH in 1964 in a camp. I hit a single to win a game with a volleyball. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's a good story. Thank you. I, I thought like you'd that. want to know. I like that. Yeah, of course I want to know. Yeah. I can't run, but I can hit pretty good. When I played, I, I went to LIU, and we had a pretty good LIU baseball team, and they wanted me to hit a baseball. So what I did was I took the bat in one hand and the ball in the other. I threw it up in the air, and I hit it down the hallway. And the teacher had to come out and ask what happened. <laughs> you know, that's when I started coaching, 
to toss it up with the left and hit it with the right with two eyeballs, too, it, that's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. I had to get used to that. Well, you have to listen to where the ball is. Yeah. That's how we learn, to listen to where the ball is and where you are in relation to it. That's how blind people learn to play sports, by listening. We have a ball with a bell in it. That's how you play basketball. You listen to where the basket is, you you hear, you know, like that, mm-hmm. and you throw it up and you try to hit it. They did that. We have a game called goal ball, which you sit on the floor, and there are three people on each team, and they give you a big ball with a bell in it, and you try to shoot it into a goal. And I was always a goalie because I can't run, but I was pretty good at knocking it. It's like in hockey, except it's a big ball, like a soccer ball. Yeah, yeah. And has a bell in it. So I started playing when I was a kid. I was like 13, 14. And my school for the blind, when I was in ninth grade, they taught us to play with a volleyball, which wasn't that hard. But you have to be able to listen to where the ball is and where you are in relation to it. Mm-hmm. If you overswing, it'll either hit you in the head or you'll miss. <laughs> It sounds like John Carlos Stanton. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, that's how we do things. Yeah. Very cool, Miriam. Yes, thanks. I thought you should know. Yeah, thanks for that, Miriam. You're I'm, welcome. We'll talk next week, hopefully after an Islanders win. How about I that? I hope so, too. <laughs> Take all care. Right. Bye. Bye. See, you're getting all kinds of, you guys are getting all kinds of education tonight. You guys, you callers, you guys, you're always the best. So uh, let's let's quickly, let's do this here. I'm going to tell you, and here's another thing you're going to learn. I got a game plan for the Knicks for game four later today. I got a change of their game plan. Okay, Tom Thibodeau, are you up like right now in a sleepless night? Are you listening? I got a change of game plan for you. I know you guys are listening. I know you. the phone lines are jammed. I will get to you guys. I got some check-ins from the Jersey Shore, from Staten Island, Comac and Queens. I see you guys. I will tell you what I think the Knicks should do coming up. In a very short couple seconds here. Move your body left, right, left, right. Underneath the moonlight, moonlight. Coming up tonight, it's the Brooklyn Nets and Boston Celtics in game four of their NBA playoff opening round series with the Nets up two games to one. This is Chris Carino. Join me along with the capper, Tim Capstraw, for all the action beginning at 6.50 exclusively on the fan. Score Tridio 1019 FM and Score Tridio 66 WFAN and streaming on WFAN.com. Oh, yeah. This is Memorial Day weekend vibes, everybody. Pat Boyle behind the glass. Oh, or should I say on the ones and twos? Yeah. Hope you guys are dancing in your car or in your bed, or at your work, wherever you are. This is how we do it here on McCartan After Midnight on the Fan. I told you guys that I had a game plan for the Knicks real quickly. Game four, later today. Here was my inspiration for this. Uh, I saw that the Hawks head coach, Nate McMillan, had said about Trey Young, he doesn't really have a weakness. He takes what the defense gives him, and he does a good job finding the open man when the defense collapses on the paint, or in the paint, sorry. And when they don't, he's attacking and finishing at the rim. So my Coach McCartan strategy is this. Start the game out by giving him the three-pointer. Let him beat you there instead of letting him beat you with the floaters and the high percentage shots in the paint. Don't forget, he's good at drawing fouls. So you, if by doing this, you wouldn't really give him that bonus, which is obviously much more prevalent, much more um, 
It happens much more frequently there in the paint than on the three-point line. So instead, Coach McCartan says, don't guard him so closely on the perimeter. He, because you know what? He's blowing by the Knicks defenders. I mean, he's much quicker than them. You're seeing it, maybe not in real speed, but on the, on the, um, on the replays. He's blowing right by them. So leave a cushion, clean up the long rebound on the long shots, and then push the ball up the court and out in transition. Because Friday night, as I said before, the Knicks had exactly zero points in transition in Game 3. That's just totally unacceptable. And that tells me that the Hawks dictated the entire pace of play of that game from the jump, and the Knicks were at their mercy. So that's my Coach McCartan strategy. Tom Thibodeau, if you are up tossing and turning, I hope you heard that, and I hope the Knicks can come out with a win. Let's go to the Jersey Shore. Dan, what part of the shore are you on? Danielle, how are you? I'm good. Where are you exactly on the Jersey Shore? Um, I, um, I'm in Brielle, but I... I bartend in uh, Belmar. Okay, where? Going, uh, DJs? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, nowhere near there. But oh. I, like a half a mile from there. But it okay. was crazy there. So I'm right on right on Main Street. All right. But any event, um, before I get to my med question, mm-hmm. I have to uh, commend you a little bit uh, to your horn. I um, I've been listening. To, I'm probably double your age, your father's age. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I bartend pretty much to have some fun, make a couple bucks, yeah. but retired. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, uh, I, I first heard you on the way home from work probably, I don't know, four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't called the station in years. But uh, you, you cracked me up. I mean, you, you reminded me of my two I have three sisters. You remind me of two of them. And uh, you're very, very similar. They came up in a different age group, but... Uh, very similar. They were into sports, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the uh, the availability of of doing what you've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, you know, they they uh, they were like, you know, borderline good athletes, but not like you. And they borderline. they wanted to coach, <laughs> and they got into the coaching. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the thing about the thing about you was you uh, you I'm commending you because what you've done. On this, on the station is like you were, you were very, like any anybody coming into the business, you were very uh, raw. But you have gotten so far in the last two, three months. I mean, you were, you were really good on the station. Now. Oh, thank you. And I don't, I mean, I listen, you know, regularly, but not, you know, not, you know, not every night. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely listen to you, and uh, you've gotten a lot better, a oh, lot thanks. better. Appreciate it. So, but anyway, yeah. my my Met question. First of all, I disagree with you on the on the on the Nick uh, your Nick uh, point. Which one? Give, give him the three pointers. I don't I don't think they should do that. I think what they should do is get on top of him and don't even. I mean, if he goes up for a three point, just I mean, crush him. Don't even let him get off a shot. And well, if you if you give up some fouls early, give it to him. I you don't know, you know. can't you cannot let him you cannot let him get off on a three pointer and. You know they definitely miss the uh, the block the, the shot blocker. You know in the lane they haven't. You know they haven't had one. They don't mm-hmm. really have one. And I think they should just get on on top of him on the three point line. Well, the thing is, he, don't he, let. I, yeah, I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. The thing is, though, for for him, and I know you have a Mets play. I'll, make, I'll let you make it. But he yeah. he draws fouls also there too. So 
do you really want to like a potential for a four point play? And then on top of that, you know, the Knicks say, say Julius Randle gets in foul trouble or say, you know, anyone, Derek Rose gets in foul trouble. Then you start to play a little bit more conservatively. Then more things open up for the Hawks. So I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he handles the ball. I, 80% of the time. He's, he's got the ball in his hand 80%, so you gotta get on him. And if you gotta put three, three different guys, uh, just take your turns and, and, and run at him. I, I don't think it's, uh, a bad idea to do that. But anyway, I don't know. my med point, my yeah. med point is, um, the, the guy that, I don't know who the GM is right now, but the guy that, whoever's, whoever's doing the, uh, the signing of these guys that are like the, the bench players, they haven't had a bench like that in years, and I I commend them for that because they, you know, they're playing well. These are guys that are like marginal players, and they're just going out and playing hard. And I mean, they're in first place. I mean, they're not hitting. Nobody, I tell you, nobody is hitting in the major leagues now. Well, that's the I problem. Mean, nobody. Yep. And I have, I have, uh, I studied the physics of, of the the flight of the ball and everything, how they changed it, and it's just. You know, they did change it. What do you mean by what do you mean by that? Like, like when you so, you say you study, because I I listen to all the, all the things you say. Like the, I mean, I, it's great. I mean, it's great. I love it. I love hearing it. I played I played baseball and soccer in college. Mm-hmm. I lo- I mean, not many kids do that these days. You know, but mm-hmm. yeah. But but tell me a little bit about what you're thinking there. I mean, um, what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So I have a bunch on this. So, so Dan, I'm going to hang up so you can hear hear the answer. Yeah, and, and, and thanks for uh, and thanks for checking in. And uh, hopefully we'll talk next week. I hope. Hope this becomes a habit. So, the deadening of the baseballs, right? Um, do I do I go full nerd alert here? Do I? You guys on hold? Can can you wait for me to do go full full nerd alert? Okay, the Athletic obtained an internal memo sent to MLB Friday, February fifth. To and they they sent it. The MLB sent it to GMs, assistant GMs, equipment managers, and they outlined the the changes that are going to reduce offense slightly for the 2021 season. Okay, um, I'll skip over this part about. And this is all my notes here, but uh, language in the rulebook suggests a new ball would require approval from the rules committee. They didn't get input from the rules committee, but instead consulted the competition committee. So I tried to find who was a part of that committee and I really couldn't find it, but blah, blah, blah. Okay. So here's my note. I'm just skipping over my notes here just so I can get back to you guys. But, um, I wrote the ball changes coupled with the added humidors and the announcement that the league will appoint game day compliance monitors to check the application of mud in every stadium it was widely speculated that the Super Bowl during the 2019 season was deadened late that season and into the playoffs and continued throughout 20. Um, and I did study the t- 2019 postseason home run rates for the Yankees and the Astros, and both were down by like a lot. So like the Yankees in that 2019 series se- season, sorry, the Yankees averaged in the regular season 1.8 home runs per game. And in the postseason, they were at 1.6 home runs per postseason. Not a lot, but when you look at the Astros, and I know they were cheating and everything, but the Astros, they had 1.77 home runs per game in the regular season, and then it was down in the postseason, so 1.38 home runs per game. So, in other words, 
in 2019, the Super Bowl, they dead-ended it in the second half of the season, certainly throughout the playoffs. And and at the time, there were there was mention of it, right? Five more teams added humidors. I haven't really looked at this since I since I wrote this, but they didn't say who has the humidors. So five teams already have them. The Mariners, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Rockies, and the Diamondbacks. And when I went on the, the tours, the stadium tours for the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, they did say that, especially the Diamondbacks. When I went with my friend Maddie, they, the guy talked specifically about it during the tour. And he said that it was initially done in the ballparks like Denver and Phoenix where the ball flew farther than normal ballparks due to the altitude and low humidity. And we couldn't see it. I, we couldn't see the room of it. I'm not sure why they didn't take us into there. But according to an analyst that the Athletic consulted, the home run rates dropped by nearly 20% once the balls were stored in a way that retained their humidity. So the science behind it, and this is going to get real nerdy here, but Commissioner Manfred's statement said, in an effort to center the ball with specific range for COR and CCOR, Rawlings produced a number of baseballs from late 2019 through early 2020 that loosened the tension of the first wool winding. This had two effects. It reduced the weight of the ball by less than one-tenth of an ounce. And there was a slight decrease in the bounciness of the ball. And COR is the, co- the coefficient of restitution or the relationship of the incoming speed versus the outgoing speed. So bottom line, in other words, this new ball that they introduced in 2019 through early 2020 was going to be less bouncy. And then we weren't sure how less bouncy until maybe, you know, it was played in real life situations. And here we are. It's, it's, it's resulting in, which is the, the loosening of the tension in the first wool winding of a baseball. You guys ever unwind a baseball? You know what I mean by that? So it reduced the weight of the ball by less than one-tenth of an ounce, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. And there was a slight decrease in the bounciness of the ball. So a less bouncy ball, and here we are. And it, and I and I also look to see like has this been done before? Fangraph says yes. That it it was done in 2018 by the Korean Baseball League, and slugging in that Korean Baseball League when they did it, the slugging percentage was down by 14 percent, and home home runs were cut by a third. So, the same stuff is happening. And anybody, and, and this is before the season started, it says an analyst, my notes say an analyst familiar with the physics and the math of this situation said the relationship was linear enough to estimate that this change will reduce home run rates in the MLB by around 5%. It's like adding five feet of outfield walls to every ball in the big leagues. In other words. So we're seeing it. That's the, the, the nerdy part of it. We're seeing it. Um, and, and it's, in my opinion, it, it's not good. I almost prefer watching the the Super Bowls. And you guys can call up and give me your opinions, but I almost prefer watching the ball leave the yard, honestly. Because what we're watching, the batting averages are, what, around, what, 200-something? 220, the low end of it, whatever it is, 220, 210, whatever the league average is. It's just hard to watch, man. It's just hard to watch. And, of course, they might be uh, cracking down on some of the uh, the stuff that – the foreign substances that the uh, the pitchers are using as well. So uh, that's the nerd alert segment there for you guys on why the baseballs 
are not carrying as they have been in this particular season. So they have changed them midway through the 2019 season. I think by the all-star break, I think if this doesn't improve, which I don't see it improving, I think we might see a swing back the other way. That's just my opinion. I don't know. That's just my opinion. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys like it, but I certainly don't. Aaron Hicks, speaking of Arizona, underwent surgery Wednesday in Arizona to repair a torn sheath in his left wrist, out for the rest of the season, and a former Yankee who I, on the record, never wanted to see leave, came up huge, and they were just showing it on TV, came up huge for his new team on Friday night, compounding the misery of this whole entire situation. Which Yankee was it? What did he do? I'll be right back to tell you guys all about it. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on the fan till 6 a.m. in New York City. This is John Sterling. It's a Memorial Day weekend hoops and hardball doubleheader on the fan. First up, the Yankees and Detroit Tigers at 110 with Yankees pregame at 1230. Then tonight at 650, we head up to Beantown for game four of the Nets and Boston Celtics NBA opening round playoff series. We're your home for Yankees and Nets talk tickets in every game. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and streaming at WFAN.com Yeah. Pat on the ones and twos. I'm Daniel McCartan. I feel like I'm in DJs ready to throw some napkins in the air. It's Memorial Day weekend. I hope you guys are too having a fun time here on McCartan after midnight. McCartan in the morning that is. Get aboard 877-337-6666 and Mets fans for the best coverage of New York Mets look no farther than MetsMarizeOnline.com Their talented staff of writers are committed to full comprehensive Mets coverage including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features and in-depth analysis of the Metropolitans and the minor league system. Metsmerize Online is the go-to place for all you diehard fans. So grab your smartphones, grab your tablets, and get Metsmerized today. Yeah. So, Aaron Hicks, out for the season, right? Listen, didn't do it for me anyway. The guy didn't do it for me anyway. Unfortunately, though, the Yankees are on the hook for his contract. And uh, with Aaron Hicks out for the season, with Clint Fraser swinging a foam pool noodle at the plate, with Giancarlo Stan being relegated to glorified DH, and with Brett Gardner celebrating his 38th birthday this August, the Yankees are in dire need of another outfielder. Too bad they traded Mike Talkman for Wandy Peralta on April 27th. Yeah, that's right. Yankees universe, including me, woke up with a serious case of FOMO Saturday morning after the play that Talkman made in his new San Francisco Giants uniform. Did you see it? It was a 5-5 tie. Bottom of the ninth in L.A. Albert Pujo swings on, makes great contact, stares the ball down long as if it's gone. And there might have been a bat flip, too. The entire stadium erupted, but Mike Talkman tracking, tracking, jumps at the wall, makes a backhand catch up and over the wall, slamming against it. Pujols, who was already around first base, can't believe it. The entire Dodgers dugout, hands on their heads, was incredulous. Mike Talkman, who played for the Yankees through April 27th, took back a walk-off game-winning home run from Albert Pujols. The Giants went on to win that game 8-5 in 10 innings in L.A. I am one of those people with FOMO because I did not want the trade to happen to begin with. And look, I'm right again. 
Wandy Peralta, who Cashman acquired in the trade, has pitched a whopping eight innings since arriving in New York, and he's got an ERA of 4.5. On the other hand, Talkman has about 100 at-bats for his new team, the Giants. He's batting 202, which is not great. But considering we just talked about the baseball, the deadening of the baseball, it's about league average, I'd say. The guy has played in all three outfield positions, left, center, and right field. And guess what? He has one singular error. And he plays like pretty much, I tried counting, you know, but he plays, believe me, he plays pretty much every single day. The guy's got one error. Sounds like the player that the Yankees might need. Might need now that Hicks is gone and all this stuff is happening. Hmm. Cashman, I didn't like the move when it happened. Don't like it now either. Certainly don't like it now either. Man, FOMO, Mike talking. The guy hustled. I liked him. I did like him. Me and my cousin liked him. We t- I, there's text messages. My cousin's like, why'd they trade Talkman? I don't know. We, we both liked him. I don't know. All right, let's go to John in Staten Island. Thanks for hanging there, John. You were at the Met game tonight. Tell me about it. They actually won a game I went to. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and they scored 13 runs. I think, uh, you know, before the pandemic, I think I went to 20 games. I didn't score 13 runs. Combined. So. <laughs> so did you stay for the whole so, thing? That's the question. Yes, yes. Good. It's great because then you have no traffic. So wasn't Good. in no rush. It wound up being a nice night. You figured out it's going to be a rain out. I kept calling the rain hotline and uh, – Game's still on, so yeah. thank God. I was checking, but, too. I, was, uh, I kept checking Twitter, like, is it going to get rained out? Is it going to get rained out? Do I get to watch the Islanders on the big screen, or do I have to do a split screen tonight? <laughs> did you go or no? No, no, I was home watching it. I, I, can't, I can't go on Saturday night to, to anything, really. People don't even, I tell yeah, my friends, don't even call me on Saturday. I'm just too busy preparation <laughs> for this. Yeah, uh, you're too young for that. Mm. But, you know, even like you were just saying with all your other stuff, uh, you know how you were saying how you were young and pitching second out all week, boys. Yeah, that's that's you on the radio. You're you're better than these guys, and you deserve more damn time. Well, thanks. Maybe you're maybe better. one day. You do your you do your homework. You know that's pretty obvious. You do your homework. Uh, I mean, I could sit here for an hour waiting online and just listening to you. You're, you're great. Well, uh, thanks. You deserve more time. Thanks, John. But, uh, and doing the homework what, is why Tom? I can't I'm, go to the games on Saturdays. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Like my my son, my my son has autism, and he, you know, he's usually in bed at eight thirty. So I was worried he was, but he, you know, he that's his happy place. He loves the, you know, he can sing out loud, and uh, yeah. you know, it's his happy place. He's like he's like a big uh, and I tried to Pete Alonzo Berg. Oh my God, I'm I'm still feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> it was t- I, I saw it on the menu and I was like, uh, nah, that's yeah, but too that, much. That stuff is what, what they say, sixteen hundred, but it was pretty good. Does but, it come uh, with a doggy bag? <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. I thought it would be like you know smaller than a Whopper. I'm like, how's it six hundred sixteen hundred calories? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but it tasted pretty good. That, that good for Pete, but uh. You know, what's up with Dom, though? I'm watching him, and he don't even drive the ball anymore. Every mm-hmm. time you turn around, it's like, you know, you think it maybe hit a fly ball to the outfield. It's just, you know, he don't look Dom. You, you know, he's not driving pitches, you know? Yeah. I'm just, uh, I don't I, know if maybe it's a knee injury, but... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering, know. too. I'm, I'm wondering, I'd, you know, I'd have to do a comparison. I'd have to do a split of what his batting average and, you know, how he hits as a first baseman versus how he hits as a left fielder, because I could tell you, like, Sometimes when you're not playing in your like normal position, it's like it's different, you know. And I'm wondering I know, if but, that's but affecting he, but, him. 
but but it's been a year, so it's not yeah. like it's new to him. You know, he played like that last year, and he hit great last year. So yeah. it shouldn't really, I, I you know, you have to realize that. You know, I'm not saying he's not a little better than Alonzo at first, but he's not going to take first base from Pete. Right. So he has to accept it. You know, well, the thing just, is, the thing is with the Mets, they are hoping and praying and wishing for the DH. They, they their team is set up for the, perfectly for a DH, whether it be Davis, whether it be uh, um, uh, Smith, or whether it be Alonzo. I mean, they're they're set for it. it. Just it just has to happen. Well, McKinney looked pretty good. Yeah, I like McKinney. He, he had a, he had a rope. He had a, he had a bomb. Yeah. And so he and Drury hit another. Drury looks like he's made the hit in City Field. I don't know. He uh, he hit another. He crushed one too. But uh, it's great when Dor finally got one because I was going to tease him to say, "Yet the May, when is Lindor going to start hitting?" <laughs> I know. I was telling you guys. I, I know, and I was like, I was even second guessing myself. Like, oh my god! But I, I highlighted in green on my notes while I was watching the game. Bottom of the fourth, the bunt down the third baseline against the shift. Finally, yeah. Yes. Even, even the other day, he tried. He tried. Guy made a great play against Colorado. He hit the pitcher with a line drive. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's tough with the shift because there's nowhere to put the ball. You know, yeah. just, the shift is killing the game. Like well, he, my friend was saying, "Why don't he bunt here?" But I'm like, "Because I'm put two to two. But he's like, they, they, "If they're going to play that, why, why don't they just take it? You know, just bunt down the third baseline and giving it to him." You know, because uh, right. they had everybody shifted over. Right, and it uh, still counts as a hit in the books. But, he, but you know what? We, we played so well with the ship. Yeah. And it was great listening to Miriam. I, I love listening to her. A She's story, so right? passionate. I, I wish everybody could be like her, honestly. She just, everybody should live like, like her. She she appreciates it. God bless her. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I'll let you go. I got everybody on hold, but keep up the good work. Third more time. I keep crying. You better listen because sooner or later I'm going to hear another station. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Well, John, thanks for, for the call. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, vacations are coming up in the summer, and uh, we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll, well, we'll just see. keep posting because uh, I'm like, ah, 2 o'clock. She's getting earlier now. 2 o'clock. <laughs> well, it's, you know what it is? And a lot of people have said that. You know what it is? It's, it's the Nets games or, or a late Yankee uh, game. That's what kind of pushes me back an hour. But I'm just telling you, like, I listen to everybody else, and, you know, they listen to more callers, but you have all your material. You're all organized. <laughs> that you, is my you, forte. You your preparation. It shouldn't matter. You know, you, you're, you're better than most. I'm telling you, you're the only one that I, I would get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and freaking listen to. Oh, just thanks, to John. Let you know that. And pick up the pick phone up call. Yeah, thanks, John. Right. I appreciate it. Bye. Um. Yeah, I certainly do my homework, and that's uh, his organization. That's funny you say that, because the other Italian teacher that I worked with for 10 years and he knows this. He, he he would never know when there were meetings. I would always go in there like, hey, we have a meeting today. He'd be like, oh, my God. And he'd like throw all his stuff in the bag. And like organization is my forte. I, I can't, I, you know, always has been. I'm a very organized person. But um, if you looked at the desk that I have right now of all the papers, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I might send a, send a picture out to you guys on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Lindor finally gets down a bunt down the third base line against the shift. That counts as a hit. Free hit, ends up scoring. I think this is the breakout game for him. This is it. And, and I wrote even, too, like, this has to be it for him. Like, he has to break out. It's basically the AAA Mets. This is as good a time as any for Lindor to break out. You know, 25% of the season is over. He entered Saturday night's game 0 for his last 13. 
on the season, 185 batting average going into that game, just nine RBIs. It's about to be June. I was starting to second-guess myself. He's hitless in 20 out of 41 games. But not Saturday night. Two for five, three runs scored, two RBIs. Bumped his batting average up to, guess what, a whopping 191. There we go. Look at you. All right, in the order that you guys called, uh, Ben in Queens, you're up next on the fan. Morning, Coach. What's up, Ben? Let me start out with some good news for men's soccer. Uh, Congratulations, Christian Pulsic and Chelsea on winning the Champions League. Mm -hmm. Becoming the first American male to ever be, uh, well, I know we've won Europa, but um, I think he's the first. First, I have to I have to uh, do some deep digging on that, and especially why it's good news is because we've had some hits the last couple of uh, weeks involving some of our young talent. So you so, know that. So Pat just broke in. Pat, go ahead, tell him. Pat, Pat, watch the game today. Yeah, yeah, Ben. Yeah, Benny, you're right. He's the first U.S. men's national team player to play in a Champions League final and win one. Thanks, Pat. All right, so so I was pretty sure about that, but as I was saying it, I was like, okay, let me think back. Did Dempsey ever get one? Did, did you know? So so there it is. To second check myself. Uh, secondly, thank you also for giving the proper meaning of Memorial Day, because you'd be surprised how many people come up and thank me, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, this, no. This, this is not my weekend. This, yes. this This is for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Right. I appreciate it, but rather remember those who couldn't be home with their families and their families, the sacrifice they had to give. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that, Coach. Now quickly on each of my uh, misfit toys here. Uh, Firstly, with the Yanks, you hit it on the nose. It was just, it was only a week ago. A week ago, I felt like it was flying high. The bats looked like they were awakened. Mm -hmm. Kluber, no, no, this is horrible. This, 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 this go like, go like. I, I, I have, I have never seen the Yankees' fortune swing wildly from one week to another. This, yeah. this, 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 this is good. This is going to give me more gray hair than I already have. <laughs> I, it's bad, and, and when it's against, okay, you could see if it's against the Rays or the Red Sox, but it's against the Tigers. That the Tigers. is panic button. I'm hitting it. Where is the panic button here? Oh. Boy, I, I, I'm like, okay, at least we can hit the Tigers a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I don't even know how to explain what happened. Was it was it Saturday? Saturday's game. That's a game we have to win. How? No, no, no. Friday's game. How do we lose that in extra innings? Like, just, just Brutal. like, like head in hands, like one in the screen. Mm-hmm. And speaking on that note, Knicks, hi, hi, uh, Julius Randle, you know, the first two games I went, okay, nerves. Right, right. Game three, I'm seeing him drive into double teams and then forget how to A, either pass or B, go up strong to the hoop. Exactly. And when he went up strong to the hoop, he missed the hoop. Two for 15 when double teamed, Daniel. Two for 15, and then I looked at his stats like, okay, what did he shoot for the game? Two for 15. I was like, so every time he shot, he was double teamed? Oi. I mean, somebody's open. you got to find the open man. Swing the ball around. 
just, just I, I, yeah. he's all like, you, you, you sit down, you sit down like the rock when you couldn't pin anybody. And you, you're just going through working your fingers like, I did this, I did this, I yeah, did this. Right. He, he should have been done. I'm like, okay, if, if someone should be open. But I do have one glimmer of hope. One glimmer of hope. I'm in, I'm, and, and people know I'm a big Obi Toppin fan. I've made no yes. bones about it. Yep. But when he's coming to the game, he's looked confident. Uh, this may not be the year for him to step up, but it's nice to know in the future we got that to lean on. Just, just to go, I'm, again, looking positive. Yeah. And finally, I'll leave on this for Miriam and um, Islander fans out there. It's one of my hells I have to watch Islanders, Boston. Okay, I make no bones about that as a Ranger fan. This, this, this is not one of like my favorite series to watch, but I'll watch it anyway. If they could cripple that, that, that uh, mid-ice pass that Boston does, because Boston just tilts the ice on you one time. You make that turnover in the offensive zone and your defenseman ain't ready, Boston's perfected that mid-ice freaking pass. Yeah. That's the pass that the Islanders sat with Pittsburgh, just sat in the middle, and Pittsburgh could never get their offense going, going. But for some reason, they forgot that. That's something you don't forget. The Islanders shore that up, and this will be a seven-game series. We'll I will that. say that with all confidence in the world. Danielle, thanks for the time. And everybody, enjoy your Memorial Weekend. Thanks, Ben. appreciate it. Talk next week. Yeah, and you know what? But Matt Barzell has to get started, too. So, um, obviously, we'll talk some, some Knicks playoff basketball, some Nets playoff basketball, some Islanders playoff hockey. And, of course, the menu has been Yankees and Mets as well. Mets blow out the Braves. The Yankees are... Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here at 407. That's my brother's birthday, April 7th, 407 a.m. here in New York City, everybody. We are full on the phone lines. I see you there. Uh, We are having a a lively discussion uh, across all of sports. We've got basketball talk tonight. We've got hockey and baseball. No football, which is fine because there really haven't been much update, many updates, I should say. Uh, the one thing everybody's saying, uh, hyping up Zach Wilson coming out of these uh, these OTAs that they're doing, organized team activities, hyping him up like he's the next Tom Brady. So we shall see. You know, I, I can, I'm going to caution against these these high expectations for for this guy here because it didn't bode well for Sam Darnold. Let's just put it that way. So, um, you know, I, I, I need your help, you guys. I'm going to kind of crowdsource the answer. I tried on Twitter. I'm getting the itch to buy a new authentic Yankees jersey. I'm torn on who to get, though, because, you know, they aren't exactly cheap. And I think they went up in price now, too, with this with the Nike, which I don't really like. But we've talked about it before. I don't really buy them often. So when I do, I do buy or like to buy at least the authentic version. So to that end, I'm looking for some staying power. I forgot to mention on Twitter, I have a Jeter one that I'm already very happy with. It's got the final season patch on it, the all-star game patch on it. And I have a Yogi Berra real wool jersey that I'm also quite happy with. So I'm thinking DJ LeMahieu or Garrett Cole, leaning towards Cole. 
But I'm also very leery about getting pitchers jerseys because, I don't know, just injuries happen just so frequently frequently with them. But, man, Cole is just so dominant. He's such a student of the game. So I like that about him. I'm just – so I asked on Twitter. I asked about some throwback options, too. I got a lot of good suggestions. But the first game, you guys, I ever attended was 1996. I was eight years old. So, like, those are my Yankees. Tino, Paul O'Neill, Bernie, David Cohn. That's kind of what I meant by, like, throwback. You know, I know you guys are giving me, like, Greg Nettles and stuff, but, you know, I never really seen them play. Or, or, or the other option. See, the other option is do I go real old school and add to the Barra era collection? Like, you know, I wore number seven in T-ball, so maybe do I go for a mantle jersey? I mean, I, listen, I don't know. I, I, I'm really never this indecisive, really, about anything. Really anything. Like, I get my clothes out the night before I go to school in the morning, and then that, that's what I'm wearing. There is no – I just talked about my with my homeroom teacher about this. There is no indecisiveness. That is what I'm wearing, and that's it. So it's kind of killing me that I can't decide on a jersey. I mean, it's a big investment here, everybody. Um, but I am a gift card hoarder, and I have gift cards from – I don't even know when – that are probably going to be able to pay for it. So is it Cole? Is it LeMayhew? Is it an old-school person – I don't know what to do. I, I, let's see what you guys think. Let's go to the calls. 877-337-6666. Pat, you have a suggestion? Yeah, I think you got to go Cole. I mean, how can you not? You, I understand you don't like getting pitchers jerseys, but you got the guarantee that he's going to be there for, what, another seven, eight years? Seven years, I think. Yeah. Six after this one. I exactly. Think. I mean, with, with the con- and, and they're not trading him. Yeah. Maybe at the very tail end, that, that's a possibility. But he is a Yankee for the next six, seven years, easily, maybe even longer. And that has a chance to be an iconic Yankee jersey. By the time he's done. Yeah. I mean, you could be looking at the greatest Yankee pitcher of the 21st century. If he continues to pitch the way he has the last several years, the last two, three years, and the way he's now pitched in a Yankee uniform, that's easily the greatest Yankee pitcher since 2000. See, the thing is, I have a mush, though. I am a mush. Like, I bought a Conforto t-shirt at the Met game, and he went on the IL shortly thereafter. Like, I take full responsibility for it. Well, that was your mistake getting a Conforto jersey. What? Just a t-shirt. Just <laughs> a t-shirt. A t-shirt. Yeah, no, not a jersey, no, because he's going to be gone soon. Look, Cole's what, 45, right? 45. That's a great number. I was I was a 44 guy. Yeah. My dad wore it because of Hank Aaron. Mm-hmm. And he obviously had Reggie wore 44. But yeah, 45. 45. Cole, the Cole 45 pinstripes. No, I like the gray, though. It's going to be oh, the gray. Oh, you want the gray? It's going to be the You want the road? I like the road. What? Yeah. A road Yankees jersey? I love them. Yeah. Over the pinstripes? Yeah. Come on. Okay, now we're going to get into a whole other conversation here. No, I like the road one, everybody. All right, let's go. Tom in North Brunswick, you're up on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, real quick, uh, uh, before I get to the Mets, uh, I'm not going to break out anything, but the Knicks need to win today. It's obvious. Yes. You know, they're I mean, still in the series. If yep. they can tie the series, they're going back to New York. And, uh, and otherwise, know. I think stick a fork in them. I think they're done otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about the Knicks next week. Okay. Because uh, hopefully they'll still be in the playoffs. Hopefully. But but you know what? Uh, you know what? I'm very proud of the, of the Mets. They have all these injuries. I know there's a lot of injuries in baseball, but a lot of the star players are out. And they're st- not only are they surviving, they're 25 and 20, and they're in first place. Yep. And, and I, mean, I think they're the, they have the largest lead over the second place team in their in the division, um, in in all of baseball, which blows my mind a little bit. Well, yeah, that's be, you know, and uh, while well, uh, the rest of the division is struggling, there's so many injuries in the division in all of baseball. But uh, it's good to you know sooner or later these players will come back, 
And, uh, you know, it's good to be over 500. Stay, you know, because uh, they got a little cushion right now. They do. You know what I mean? They have a, uh, it looks like, a, if I could do the math real quick, it's five or six game cushion, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, well, I, I say the 25 and 24. I joke around with my brother because then he said, what are you saying that for? And I said, because they're going to get swept in San Diego. <laughs> you th- yeah, well, did you see what Tatis did? He hit a home run basically out of, and I know it's a dome stadium, but out of the Astros ballpark. Did you see it? it- yeah. I was getting a. Uh, I was watching a game and they showed it, but I was in the kitchen making coffee. <laughs> oh, you got to watch it! It landed on the train tracks. You know how they have the train there? Crazy. He is unbelievable. And you know, who's another great player. I wish the Mets would have drafted a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm. Yeah. Did you see some of Toronto's stats? The, the, I mean, the balls. You know, with the they have all. Uh, they're one of the, like the top offensive teams. You know the individual staff. Yeah, and without uh, and without Springer too. I know it's it's unbelievable, but I you know and they're a threat too. They're going to be tough. That's they, the two best divisions right now are the National League West and the American League East. Yeah, agree. You know, it's, but, but anyway, the Mets have uh, they scored one hundred and one hundred and sixty one runs and allowed one hundred fifty nine, which is uh, you know it's low, but um. I think the Yankees scored 199 runs and allowed 185, something like that. Mm-hmm. But they played more games. Right. So, oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. The Mets got rained yeah, out a but, couple. But, yep. but you know what, though? And another thing is, is like in the past, the Mets would get all, they'll have like um, career minor league players coming up, which I was happy that they, you know, couldn't get the opportunity. But now they have the bench, who's, who's coming, you know, a big uh, impact. These players are ex-major league players. Pilar, mm-hmm. in, in 2019 for Baltimore, the last full season, he scored 111 runs, and he had 24 homers, 76 RBIs. Yeah, good find, and, wasn't Something he? like that. Yeah. And he had 40 stolen bases. So I know he hasn't had a great career. And then uh, Drury on the uh, Arizona, or I think the Yankees had Drury, didn't they? Uh, yes, yeah, he Once was a Yankee, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they're like they're you know not full time starters, but they're 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 good major league players. Yeah. And uh, but you know this is hope and uh, you know hopefully the regular and Dom Smith he looks like he's off uh, he's he's just out of balance or off balance or something. But you know what in baseball you know this in baseball the, it's a long season mm-hmm. the player can look terrible the first couple of months and then tear the cover off the ball. Yep. You know, Just so I'm is. happy as a, yeah. I'm telling you, Danielle, I'm very happy. The Mets are uh, 25 and 20. Yep. And, you know, I just, I, I, and the pitching with Walker is, you know, he's, and uh, DeGrom and, uh, mm-hmm. and Stroman's having a good year. Stroman's having an excellent year. I know. I love the Mets pitching. The bullpen with Castro and, uh, you know, Sal Licata, you know, I love him and everything, but he, he just won't let all, he won't let go of uh, the 2019 performance of Diaz. Well, and, you, you know, know he's, he's, he's nine for nine in saves, and yep. I don't think he's allowed any runs at all. And say the uh, non save situation, they should keep him away from that. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yep. I, I, Tom, you nailed it. You nailed it tonight, Tom. Yeah, thank you very much, Daniel. <laughs> Have a very nice day today. All right, you too. Talk next week. All right. Yeah, so I, I want to just correct myself too on this. I'm, I'm in the business of, of self correction here, which is always a good thing. But it's not it, the Mets ha- do have the biggest lead over any other, you know, the second place in the division. But math at, at 4:16 in the morning after being up for almost 24 hours straight is not my forte. 
The Mets do have the biggest uh, divisional lead over the second-place team. That is true. However, it's three-and-a-half games. So the Mets are three-and-a-half. The Phillies are three-and-a-half games behind the Mets, and so are the Braves. The Braves are three-and-a-half games behind the Mets um, at the moment. So there's that. All right, let's go to Mike in West Palm. You're up on the fan. Oh, Mike, are you there? I don't know if it clicked. Yes. Oh, you're there. Okay. Buongiorno, Daniela Professora. Ah, grazie. Buongiorno. Ah, and I got to give a shout out to Pat. You know how many producers I spoke to over the years? And I don't call all the time, usually overnight, but Pat is aces, man. We were, we were chatting and laughing. Uh, a couple of things I, I tuned in, and I got to give a shout out to Benny from Queens, good caller. I go back to Tony Page Day, and, and a shout out to Miriam. Uh, Miriam, I tuned in late, but uh, way to go, Miriam. You, you're like the, the, um, the lady of the Islanders. And enjoy listening when you're on the air. Um, I tuned in. I was telling Pat when you were talking about Korean baseball. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, de-juicing, I call it, de-juicing yeah, the baseball. The de-juicing, um, yeah. And numbers have gone down. People love the home run. It's sort of a, uh, it gets to be a boring game. But I love the small ball, like you pointed out earlier. You know, advance the runner. You don't see... Uh, a bunt, advance, uh, hit the right field, you know, behind the runner, uh, a, a variety of things. Um, I was laughing about your yogi uh, uniform, the wool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we were kids in Little League, you know, I'm going back to the 60s. Um, yeah, we had the wool. And your first game, you were seven years old. My dad, rest his soul, <clears throat> Brooklyn Dodger fan and a Mets fan. Um he took me to the polo grounds in 62 when I was eight years old. That was my first. And I went to some classic games, 69 series and 73, um, Pete Rose, but house and dust up. Um, but I pointed out, you mentioned, uh, when you got that Conforto shirt, one of my favorite Mets, then he goes on. It's like a laundry list of, of injured players, right? Um, uh, but Conforto of all the players, I, I said it before, you know, you look at some, some major leaguers, when they get an 0-2 count, like Judge and some of the others, uh, they're gone, man. No one can work at 0-2 count like Conforto. And I hope he bounces back with the other. Uh, they had an outbreak yesterday, the Mets. Wow. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. I, I, you, know why, you know why, though? Because DeGrom is pitching later today, and they had to use up all their runs before he got onto the mound. <laughs> That's what I happened. Don't run- why is it the sticks are always quiet when the grominator pitches? I don't you know. know. I don't that's know. funny. Yeah, that's that's a conundrum. Um, and uh, you know, like the guy before called. I've said it before. Listen, it's a long season. And, you know, he thinks. Uh, uh, oh, Dominic Smith is. I said, listen, man. With his stick, you got to keep him in a lineup. Toughest thing to do: round ball, round bat, and to be consistent. You know, that's just, you know, uh, one, one of the many things a, a baseball player has to do, a softball player. I was watching college softball yesterday, uh, Danielle, and, and college baseball and this and that. Um, but I, I'll wind it up. Um, always, you know, the compliments you got, it doesn't surprise me. You, you are well beyond your years with your knowledge and what you bring to the table. That's why I tune in. And... Uh, I'm going to go to the driving range later today, and I'm going to go into putting green, and I'm going to take a couple of Mojo golf balls <laughs> and put it in, see if I can read it. You know, I'm lucky I, I could. I need WD-40 for my lumbar and my cervical and my and my joints. Oh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Danielle, all the be- best. And people, 
acknowledge the veterans, you know, uh, made the ultimate sacrifice, Memorial Day, red, white, and blue. You know? That's right, Mike. We'll talk next week, Mike. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. No problem, Danielle. Thanks a lot. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we got about 10 seconds to the break here. So um, you guys just hang there. I see you. I'm, I'm getting to you guys in the order that you guys called, of course. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant had a comment after Friday night's loss that I did not agree with. And then I saw that Joe Harris on Saturday contradicted what he said. So I'm going to get your opinion on who's right coming up after the break. Um, I'll tell you who I'm right, who who I think is right, and I'm going to get your opinion on who is right coming up right after the break. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is the phone number to get aboard. Bars in the stool for the orange and blue. Put your arms in the roof. I need the garden to move from the courtside spikes to the four hundred heights. You feel the spirit of the mecca when they talk in the lights. This is If you guys have been to the garden. I mentioned this last week. I'm going to promote him again. DJ Monopoly. He is the DJ at Madison Square Garden for the Rangers games and for the Knicks games. The original track was created by at Papa Left. But DJ Monopoly redid the track. Why do I make a point to say this? Because I went to college with DJ Monopoly, as you guys know from last week. I was there at the frat party, the first frat party he ever DJed, and now he's the DJ at Madison Square Garden. He's a huge Knicks fan. If you've been to the Garden, um, you, you've heard, heard him play this song, I am sure. And uh, the Knicks play at 1 o'clock today. So good for you, DJ Monopoly. I'll see if he can, I'll see if he can uh, send it out to you guys. If he can tweet it and I'll retweet it, then you guys can download it possibly or potentially. I don't know. I don't know how this works. But, yeah, so DJ Monopoly, there's his uh, his his Knicks hype song. And, you know, while the Knicks have a game, the 1 o'clock game Sunday, a couple hours, they um, – I, I think they're going to win the game, actually, uh, based on what I've seen, how they're going to manipulate the roster or the lineup, which – I have some good suggestions for that, in my humble opinion. <laughs> but I do think the Knicks come out and win this game. However, the Nets, listen, I teased it a little bit. I'm going to tell you now. Everyone understands. I'll get to your calls right after this, you guys. Everyone understands that the Nets' defense is one of the worst in the league. But the hope was that they were going to turn it up a notch in the playoffs. The defense, I mean. Well, Jason Tatum had a night against the Nets in Game 3 Friday night. 50 points. Six rebounds and seven assists. So there's two schools of thought here. Durant, who had 39 points, had this to say after the game Friday night about Tatum's opportunity. He said, Tatum had some tough ones over us tonight. Here's the most important part. I don't think he got anything easy. I think we have to be more physical with our switches, blah, blah, blah. So I wrote down, uh, what? So then I see Joe Harris, who had only eight points, had this to say on Saturday about Tatum's opportunity. He is an incredible player. Here's the important part. But you got to do everything you can to make it tough on him. Last night, huge game of 50 points. That's just kind of unacceptable from our point of view. So you got Dur- excuse me, Durant saying, I don't think he got anything easy. Yet you got Joe Harris saying, you got to do everything you can to do to make it tough on him. I mean, I, which is it? 
I don't know. Clearly, you, you have to you have to make it tough on him. Durant thinks that he he that the Nets did. Joe Harris thinks that the Nets did not. Based on the stat line of just fifty points alone, I think it was a little too easy. I'm with Harris on this one. A person doesn't score fifty points without getting anything easy. And the Nets need to to step it up. In uh, I think it's a seven p.m. game the Nets have on Sunday. I could check really quick. I got got it in my notes. Don't worry. Sunday, May thirtieth, seven p.m. Yep, and seventeen thousand fans in in this game and uh, in, in Boston. So, which is it? Clearly, Tatum had his way. And I think if the Nets can just slow it down a little bit, if Kyrie, if he, they could slow him down just a little bit, if Kyrie Irving can score just a few more points. And Joe Harris, eight points. That's kind of disappointing. Nets got it in the bag. I'm not panicking. If you're a Net fan, you shouldn't panic either. All right, in the order that you guys called, Brad in Middletown, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danny, how are you? You okay? I'm good. How are you, Brad? Pretty good, pretty good. Listen, I got to say this, and I want you to hear me out. The Yankees are not playing the, the way they should be playing. They're relying too much on the long ball. And these teams, these pitching staff are literally embarrassing them. Well, Brad, now, let, me, let me tell you this. This is, but this is how this roster is con- is constructed. That that's it. They don't have guys like you know, uh, like a McNeil or or like a I don't know. But they, they that's how it's constructed. So they're playing true okay, to form. I understand. I, I understand that, but that seems to be the problem. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm. Hear me out. Yes. And, and I'll, I'll bring it up. 2019. They didn't have Aaron Judge. They didn't have Giancarlo Stanton. They did not have Gary Sanchez. And that team was scaring the daylights out of everybody because those guys were hit and run. That they, uh, they, they, uh, overship, they should be tearing it up, but they're not. Why? Because Brian Cashman does not want them to do that. So when they don't do it and that team loses, everybody points their finger at Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone is taking the brunt of all the all the punishment because he's following orders from Cashman. Bottom line is this. I know it's a dangerous call to make. Aaron Boone should be should either be be a man and say, Listen, my name's in that newspaper every day, not yours. Well We're gonna play I want this team to win and we got and we gotta take advantage of that overship. If I got some guys lining up, lining up the left field side, watches on the right field side, mm-hmm. you're gonna get that ball through one, that one of those holes, no matter what. Well, Brad, here's the, here's the thing, I'm, Brad. They had a guy like that, Joe Girardi, and they fired him because he because he wasn't a uh, yes sir, no sir guy. Wait, said, Brad, my you, name's in the paper. You cut out for a second because he wasn't what? Because he wasn't a yes sir, no right. sir guy. Exactly, but that's my what Aaron Boone is. My name's in that paper. Right. I'm the one facing the media. Mm-hmm. No. No, I can't do this. I'm with you. The Yankees should have killed Detroit. Now, now, let me say this one thing. They got two big series coming up after, after today. The Tampa, Tampa Bay Rays and, and the Boston Red Sox. Yes. Now, what they need to do is this. Now, you might not agree with me, and I understand that, Danny. I got none but respect for you. Of course. And I got no respect for Steve Summers and Sal. Bottom line is this. Sanchez, and I'm telling you this honestly, Sanchez and Judge 
or, or Stanton would not be playing in that series. I need hitters, period. I need guys to get on that base and take advantage of those holes that they, all these teams are leaving them. Mm-hmm. Now, if everybody don't agree with me, that's fine. You're entitled to your own, your own opinion. But Hickey should be catching that entire series, period. And even against Tampa, get used to it. I need you to hit the ball, and I trust you more than I do Sanchez. Now, as far as um, uh, Stanton, uh, Miguel Andujar is swinging a better bat. His better be in that lineup no matter what. And believe it or not, I'll say this, Tyler Wade is even hitting the ball better than a lot of those guys. Oh, no. Serious. Oh, no. No, look at it. No, this is crazy. I know it's kind of crazy, but look at it. Who's a better threat to get on base and, and, and manufacture a run? Not Judge. Not Stanton. Yeah, Stanton's hitting the ball decently, but he's, he's just swinging a, a matchstick lately. But if you get Wade on base, who can stop him? Well, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. Right, he is. Right? Right. And Brad, here, here's the deal, and I'm going to let you go here. Um, passionate call, always. I appreciate it. Um, listen, the way that the Yankees are constructed, they are not going to be sitting, you know, Aaron Judge. I agree, while I, I agree with you that Gary Sanchez should not be the the everyday catcher. I think you're going to actually, I think you're going to see more of Gary Sanchez because think about it. Higashioka is Kluber, is a Cole's personal catcher, right? Without the title. And he was that for Kluber too. Kluber's out. So I think you're going to see much more of Gary Sanchez as much to the dismay of, of me as well. Uh, Stanton, forget about him. I mean, he comes back for one day. What does he do? Gets up to bat five times, strikes out four of them. He's out again on Saturday's game. Stay out. Goodbye. Never wanted him. That's that. Judge, though, you got to keep judging the lineup. I mean, listen, what that guy can do in right field, he can reach over the, the and take balls back from out, you know, in, in, in home run balls, just like Mike Talkman did in, in in that game versus L.A. Listen, you need him in there. But um, he's not going to play every game. And you were getting to the, the philosoph- there's a philosophical difference, right, between having guys like Sanchez, Stanton, and Judge in a lineup versus having guys like Andujar and Wade and even Urshela in a lineup. Th- that's a philosophical difference. The Yankees have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I don't. I'm not sure they know what their identity actually is. And you said it; they have a huge week coming up. I have a feeling we're going to have next this time next week when I'm on, we're going to have a bunch of the sky is falling calls. Because guess what? The sky is falling. The, the the Detroit Tigers, you can't put the Detroit Tigers away after Garrett Cole gives you a, an amazing outing on Friday night. Dominant. Six innings of one-run ball. You can't come up with a win. You, you get walked. The funny part to me was this. Did you guys see it? Did you see the end of the game that Friday night? The walk-off home run? Two-run home run. Robbie Grossman hits it. Cleared the left field wall. The t- Tigers win 3-2. The celebration, they didn't. They couldn't even figure out how to celebrate. This team is so not used to winning that they couldn't even figure out how to celebrate the, the walk-off win. They were trying to rip his jersey. They didn't know how to rip his jersey off. They were, like, just jumping in, around in circles and looking at him. This team doesn't know how to win. And the Yankees gave him t- The Yankees are playing Sunday are trying to avoid the sweep versus the Detroit Tigers. What are we saying here? They're 0 for 14 with runners in scoring position. 
Now, that's all well and good if you're hitting home runs out in the park, but it's not working. That's not working for them. So there's a philosophical difference between what Cashman has put out there and what me and Brad and other listeners of my show are are realizing. It's it's just a philosophical difference. And it this, listen, I know on Pete Hoffman's show they were getting on, on Cashman a little bit. And listen, I will too. I never wanted uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Never. On the record saying it. Mike Talkman gets, gets traded for a, a pitcher who's only pitched eight innings so far. And oh, look, now they need an outfielder. Clint Frazier, listen, give the guy steady playing time. Le- you come out in the beginning of the season and you say that he's the, he's our left fielder. And then four games into the season, he's not. What kind of stability, what kind of confidence does that show in the guy? I know he sucked. He sucked. I get it. But put him in a position to succeed and then see what happens and then reserve judgment on the guy. Because right now, you know, listen, Brad, you're right. I would not want to be standing up in front of the media every single day and looking made to look like an idiot. And I know they're not trying to do it on purpose, but sometimes Aaron Boone comes off it and he says these things and I'm just kind of like scratching my head, you know, and there was one quote. I had it. Where was it? I, I wrote back. I wrote, hmm. Oh, yeah. Two things. Two things from Saturday's game. He said, ready? Mize and Turnbull have pitched well against us. There are a couple of challenging outings. So I was like, what? Mize and Turnbull? They got two great starters, the Tigers do? Hmm. Let me look this up. Both those guys have ERAs above three. Like, what? This was That was a boon. Then he said, he was asked if he's seeing a sense of urgency from the Yankees. And he said, anytime, let me turn my pages folded here. Anytime offensively you don't get, wait, he said, anytime offensively you don't mount much or you struggle to score runs, it always has a look of being flat. Wait a minute. So there is no sense of urgency? Is that what you're saying? That there is no sense of urgency? Because flat and urgent are opposites. Like, I wrote, I wrote dot, 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 W-U-T. What? So Boone is being made to look like like an idiot in these press conferences. Oh, it's 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 a collective decision among all of us. It is right. That's how that's how these decisions get made of who's playing where for how long, etc. Whatever the computer spits out, that's what they do. It's frustrating because this team I think could be a lot better than what they are if they had a couple guys that can just put the ball in play. And yes, a left-handed bat would be nice. A left-handed power bat would be nice. Did you see? I didn't click on the article. Jay Bruce is willing to come out of retirement to help the Yankees? I mean, what are we doing here? Are we opening up the nursing homes too? Brett Gardner is going to be 38 in August? He's still your starting center fielder? My favorite. And I, and I said it once before, and I know I have to hit the break, but I wanted to leave you quickly with this, and I'll get to your calls, of course. The outfield arm report from the Yes Network is my new favorite thing. It has been my favorite thing. You got, they graded them once. I saw it one time with the Yankees outfielders. I think they don't do it anymore because they're afraid to put Brett Gardner's out there. Brett Gardner, I'll say it till the cows come home. I said it once before, twice before even. He's got an outfield arm grade of a D. He throws the ball at 73.8 miles an hour. I could throw it better than that. Pat, you could throw it better than that. MLB rank 99 out of 110. 
This is the guy that they chose to bring back. That's the guy. Meanwhile, Clint Frazier, he's got a great grade of A, 91.6 miles an hour. What is that, 16 or 18 out of 110 outfielders? I've never seen this graphic again because they're afraid to put Brett Gardner out there. It's a great graphic. They do it for all the other, the visiting teams. You see it every night. You know, when it gets close at the end of the game, you know. Brett Gardner today, a Saturday, ground ball of Brett Gardner. He literally threw it into second. He was charging in on the ball, threw it into second base on a hop. I'm like, what? You come up throwing on that ball. Come on already. I don't know. I, now I'm going on and on. But the way the roster is constructed, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, it's, it's not right, and that's on Cashman. And choosing who to play, when and where, and in which situations, that's up to the computers. And I don't agree with that either. So there you have it. I take on the Yankees. 2021 Yankee season. There it is. And don't call me asking about trade deadline stuff. We're not playing fantasy GM tonight, everybody. That deadline is is two months away. May 30th right now. I think the deadline is July 30th. We got plenty of time. Let Clint Frazier blossom. We'll see what happens. All right, more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. Hey, what's going on? It's the Moose. Coming up after Boomer and Geo at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. It's Moose and Maggie right here on The Fan. We got plenty of sports to get into. Basketball, the NBA playoffs, Knicks, Hawks, Nets, and Celtics. Plus, we got Yankees baseball, Mets baseball to react to. And we'll be giving away two pairs of Guns and Roses tickets. It's Moose and Maggie, Tuesday at 10, right here on Sports Radio 101.9 FM and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City on this Sunday, May 30th, Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Again, I said it in the open. Make sure that you guys take a moment. Remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for us to have our freedom of free speech, right? (laughs) Right here. Freedom is not free, everybody. Just take a moment before you crack open a beer or, or, or light the grill, okay? You know... A lot has been made over this past week, and, and I'll get to your calls. I see you guys. We're full. Um, so be patient. If you can't get through, tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Here's another topic I want to open up. Fans were banned from the stands in, uh, in all of 2020, parts of 2021, still not full capacity, blah, 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 right? But it seems as though people forgot how to behave at games. I mean, what is the correct level of, I guess the word is etiquette in the stands, Listen, I went to, I was thinking about this. I went to my first Devils game when I was a junior in high school. And the stuff I heard at that game, man, like it was like disgusting. So I guess my personal rule of thumb is behave as though your kids are listening to you. Only say what you would feel comfortable with your kid repeating. So like the most rudimentary level is the, the booing, right? Next level, rude, but still clean comments about the players play on the field. I think they're totally fine. Those are totally acceptable. But for me, the line gets crossed when there's profanity involved and anything after that, above that, is just plain unacceptable. Like jeopardizing the health, safety, or well-being of the players, the racial insults. It's just that's ridiculous. So the F Trey Young chant, it was a little much for me. And you could imagine then that the spitting incident on him was, was a little much for me too. And I know I got some Mets calls on here, so... I'm listening to Francisco Lindor talk on Saturday afternoon about being booed. 
And the sports psychologist in me had an idea. Here's what he said first. He said, getting booed sucks, man. It's not fun. It's a lonely feeling, especially when it's your home crowd. With that being said, they want results. I want results more than they do. I think they're booing because of the results, not because they don't like me. A, it's a lonely feeling. B, I think they're booing because of the results. He was close to saying it, but let me ask you guys, how would you react if the player, not him, but any player, any player came out and said, listen, I understand the booing by the home fans, but it isn't, it is not helping me progress and improve. Instead, to break out of this slump, I need blank. I need silence. I need more cheering. I need you to help me through this instead of booing me. I think I would respect that. Let's see what you guys think. 877-337-6666. Peter in Brooklyn, you're up on the fan, Peter. Peter. <laughs> Pat, stop. This this might be a connection issue. Peter, if, if there's a connection issue here, just give, give us a call back. 877-337-6666. Let's go to Stuart in Brooklyn. Stuart, you're on the fan. Morning, Coach. How are you, Stuart? How are you? Good. <clears throat> um, the Yankees, Cashman, you know, in my opinion, it's too many, too much analytics, too much of that, that the book by the binder, whatever we want to call it, mm-hmm. Danielle. Yeah. It's like it, it, it's gotten to be too extreme. They went to such an extreme, and everybody criticized Joe Girardi. Right. Yeah, because, but one thing Girardi had, he had a spine. He stood up and said what he believed in. And okay, I didn't particularly care for him as a manager, but he he did it the best he could with what he had in 13, 14, and 12. You know, when Gita got hurt, Mariano got hurt, yeah. he did the best he could. Right. And with what he had. And, now, man- and, and, managed, and, and managed, I think he was, I don't know if I, he was more of a blend, but he was definitely more of a blend than, than Aaron Boone managing. Aaron gut, Boone you know? is a puppet. He's a computer. Simple. Let's He's cut a, he, to the chase. Right. He's a puppet for Brian Cashman. Right. And you want to know what? I don't. I don't blame Boone as much as I blame Cashman. And you know what? I think. I really think they need a new voice at the GM position because Cashman is getting is ridiculous. You trade Talkman, now you need an outfielder. Right. How good would Talkman have fit in Perfect. now? And you give him a chance, and you don't give Clint Frazier a chance. Yep. And now. Uh, um, I'm starting to see Miggy starting to hit a little bit. Let's get, let's throw him out there and let's see what he can do. Mm-hmm. You got to give him a chance. Right. Remember 2018? He should have been rookie of the year. Should have been, yes. Not Otani. Yep. I mean, Otani's a great, he's playing well. He's mm-hmm. hitting the ball. He's, he's doing every, He's doing everything. But everybody starts comparing him to number three. Mm-hmm. Not, never in a million years. You know who number three is. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah, of course. That was that's God. That in my eyes, he's mm-hmm. God. He's the God of baseball. He revived baseball in 1920. Mm-hmm. They gotta start hitting the ball. LeMayu's gotta get warm. Gotta get hot. And you can't. You, they they constructed the home run, Danielle. But it. the thing is, I'm off with the home run because you know what? They used to scream at the Mick for striking out 125 times a year and Kingman at 140 times a year. These guys doing it half a season. 
That's ridiculous. And there's no and I shame. In, one yeah, there's no thing. shame in striking out anymore. They just walk no, back to the no dugout. No, there's no shame. In, I remember one more thing that'll really get. I don't know if you ever know about this fact that one year Yogi Berra struck out eight times in the whole season. In the whole season. Yeah. I don't remember the year, but I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. I could look it up in my baseball encyclopedia and get the year if I have, if I have to. But the thing is, Yogi Berra struck out. That was a Joe DiMaggio, 361 home runs in 13 years, total of 369 strikeouts in yeah. 13 years in his career. The guys then took pride in what they did. They took pride, pride, pride. And pitchers, I met tomorrow, Danielle, tomorrow in the year 1974, I met number 41 of the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was... Uh, I met him at Queens Village Chrysler Plummet on Jamaica Avenue in Queens. <laughs> and I met him with the lovely Nancy. I shook his hand. I got his autograph. Nice. And uh, we, I talked to him for about 15 minutes. That was the year he went 11-11, and uh, he was 11-11. I just told him to keep his chin up and keep on going because I think you're great. And I was there July 9th, 1969, when he threw that uh, near-perfect game. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I never seen a guy throw. He didn't go to three balls on any one batter. Now, once did he go three balls on any one batter that game, and Jimmy Qualls broke it up in the ninth inning. And uh, Tom Seaver passing away last year, that took away a part of my childhood. Yeah. And uh, did your screen, your call screener tell you what happened to me yesterday? He did not. Stuart, no. we, we'll save that maybe for for another story there. But you know, I don't know if it's the the, the hitters are not taking pride, you know, in, in what they did. I mean, baseball has evolved since those days, since the days of Mantle. I mean, the pitching alone has evolved. I mean, we've we've seen four. What is it? Four no hitters. I can't even keep track. I think it's four no hitters so far this season already. It's it's May thirtieth, so the pitching has has grown exponentially better. I think they really need to crack down on some of the uh, the, the, the foreign substances on the baseballs. Uh, that's for sure. And let's go to, yeah, we have time. Let's go to Phil in Long Island. Phil, thanks for hanging on. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, okay. I just wanted to get back into this uh, baseball uh, batting averages. Because yeah. I have a different conclusion than you do mm-hmm. about uh, the ball being more alive. Uh, and uh, it, it being more dead, I should say, and and batting average is going down because of it. I mean, there are reasons why. We all know why, and and it's not the baseball. It's uh, as the meta announcers talk about hits being taken away because of the shift. This is a major reason why uh, we don't have uh, higher batting averages. Right. We have baseball players swinging out of their shoes. Yes. Because even 98-pound weaklings doing this, so they're swinging yes. and missing because they don't have control of the bat. Mm-hmm. And then you have uppercut. You have Keith Hernandez talking about you have to swing level in a plane to hit the baseball mm-hmm. more consistently. There are so many reasons why. And when you talk about Mickey Mantle in the, in the past, he was hitting tape-measured jobs. And there weren't a whole lot of batters doing that. Maybe you had Harmon Killebrew and maybe a couple others. But the batting averages were up. The ball was more dead then, I, I believe, than it is now. You yeah, but I don't base- know, because I haven't – listen, you can't make that statement. The, the, the balls are more dead. 
It, that's a fact. That the, 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 Did you hear the, the whole science behind it? I did the whole physics behind it. The ball is more dead. That's a fact. I mean, it's, it's as no, if... No, but is it more dead than it was then? I, I, listen, I wasn't even alive then. I don't know. We, we, we'd have to go and, and study the baseballs that are in halls, halls of fame from, from those years. I don't know. Um, that's the first thing. Um, and the other thing you said was um, uh, the launch angle, I totally agree with. You have to swing through the plane. But, oh, the shift. Listen, how about the shift? How about, how about you do what Lindor did tonight? You lay a bunt down, and then they have exactly. to play, and then they, they have to play you straight up, and then the holes open back up. You have to prove that you could do it first. I don't, you know what? I don't mind the shift because it teaches you that, that you can't just get up there and keep robotically doing the same thing time and time again. Oh, I agree with you. I don't want the shift to, to, to be outlawed. Mm-hmm. I, I want them to hit the other way, and that's my very point. Mm-hmm. It's not the deadened baseball. But it's a com- it the, is a combination. You have, to, you have to acknowledge that. It is that. That's a fact. Hitting, hitting, not hitting home runs is the reason that batting averages are down because of the baseball. I, I, as I said, it's 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 the hits we're not getting because of the shift. Because baseball players don't want to hit the other way. It's the mentality that's bringing the averages down. Agreed, but it, but it, but it, Phil, it's it's a combination of the both of both of them. It's mm-hmm. it's as if the outfield walls are being moved back five feet, like that home run that that home run. Uh, what's his name? Villar, he, the grand slam. What, was it the wind or was it the – because if, if the – how do I say it? That ball was, was within five feet of that fence. Was it because of the wind brought it back or because the coefficient of drag on the ball that he hit kept it from going out of the park? You see what I'm saying? Like in 2019, that ball would have been out of the park. But case in point, Danielle, there were five home runs hit by the Mets tonight, so it's not the dead and ball. And I would also look at you – I also agree with you about the pitching. The uh, – I would look more toward not as dead and ball, but the, is the cover rougher? Is the something with the stitching? The ball is biting more. The pitches are better. These are reasons batting averages are down, not because players aren't hitting home runs. See, I we know a lot of reasons why batting averages are down, and it has nothing to do, in my mind, with a ball being more dead. It's well, the mentality of the uh, okay, uh, but, of but the batter. Phil, I, I get it. it. It's but it is a combination of all of it. There is it's factual. Welcome back. We're about to hit the reset here on McCartan in the morning on this Memorial Day weekend. It is 5.05 and 38 seconds here in New York City. Wherever you're listening, I hope you guys are enjoying the show tonight. It's been a lively discussion. We've hit on a multitude of many different topics, ranging from um, the physics of the deadened baseballs to the strategy that the Knicks should employ in their playoff game, which is in just a few hours from now down in, in, uh, in Atlanta. We've talked about the Yankees and, and the philosophical um, shortcoming of their lineup. I mean, we're, we're really diving in pretty deep tonight. And, and how about the Nets and, and, and what they need to do in order to, to succeed and, and, and hit my prediction of the Nets in five Listen, the, the Nets are in the playoffs, the Knicks are in the playoffs, and we cannot forget about the Islanders who, you know, I would have had Varlamov in, in the goal tonight, but um, they decided to go with Sorokin, and with a final score of 5-2, Bruins win. Series 1-0 in favor of the Bruins. Just a couple notes from what, just adding on to the conversation we were just having. Um, at Alex B. Current says he can't call, but real quick, 
Seven games versus the the Rays and Red Sox. What do the Yanks go? He said he's praying for four and three. I wrote back on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I wrote, honestly, based on this Tigers series so far, and I hate to say it, that's optimistic. Um, Don Hines Jr. tweeted me an article from the Bleacher Report saying that uh, Yogi Berra hit 28 home runs and drove in 124 runs in 1950. Blah, 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 blah. Struck out only 12 times. So that was the year, 1950. 12 strikeouts, 28 home runs, 124 RBIs in 1950 for Berra, who, by the way, I have that jersey. Pinstripes, that is. And uh, you know what? I was looking, trying to look up the home runs versus, like, um, the the quantity of home runs versus the dead ball and the live ball. But I realized that I can't really do it because 2021, it's only, uh, we're only in May. And then 2020, it was a shortened season. So there's really nothing that you can compare. So that was kind of frustrating. I'm going to have to probably take more time now to go through it and say, like, up through this point in 2019, you know, May 30th, how many home runs. But that, that I can't do that on a, on a quick little commercial break. So um, there's that. So if you guys remind me during the week, tweet me during the week, I can I could do that for you for sure. Um, yeah, so the desk is a mess here. I got papers all over the place, but this is fun. I'm having fun. I hope you guys are too. So just a quick little recap of what's going on here. Um, yeah, so the Knicks, I started off the, the show by say, talking about the Knicks, and I played the, the SOS song by the police because the Knicks, um, they're sending out an SOS, or they should be. The, the team is. And save for Derrick Rose. I mean, we'll get into him in a minute, but... The Knicks were absolutely lifeless through. I mean, the game was over. Game three was over on that twenty-two to five run that closed out the second quarter. You know, into halftime, that twenty-two to five run by the Hawks. It was over. That was it. Stick a fork in New York. It was over. And then the other thing is, I had a couple of things I want to talk about, but the Knicks and you guys, of course, want to want to chime in eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. If you can't get through, it's at Coach M C C A R T A N. I have it open. I'm monitoring it. Um, and I see you guys. I appreciate you hanging on there. But Derek Rose being inserted into the starting lineup was a big no-no right from the jump for me. Because think about it. Him coming off the bench was the two of the one-two punch of, of what the Knicks have been doing all along, right? The reason, think about it, the reason why he he ended up starting that game was because Alfred Payton and Frank Nilakina, let's just say they, they leave much to be desired. Let's just say, right? So Rose gets told Friday morning that he's he's going to get the start, and the Knicks' second rotation, second unit, second whatever you want to call it, was left without its most prolific scorer. And game three, let's just put it this way: game three. The bench was 28 points, scored 28 points. And that is Nerlens Noel. Excuse me, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, Emmanuel Quickly, Frank Nielakina, and Obi Toppin. 28 points. That's it in game three off the bench. Rose, Derek Rose off the bench through the first two games, 21.5 points per game average. So what I'm trying to say is they need him to come off the bench. However many minutes he gets. But he needs to come off the bench just to give a different look, just to force the Hawks' hand in a way. Because when you see, and I didn't pay attention to it, and I will today, uh, later today when they play, 
when you see, when the commentators are like, oh, Trey Young's been on the bench for a while. I'm wondering if that was because the second rotation for the Knicks was out. He doesn't need to be out because they, they can't score. So what does he need to be out there for? Rest up. Save your legs. So I think you guys have come, come to realize that, that this show is a solution-based show. So if I were Tom Thibodeau, if it's 5.11 in the morning and I'm awake staring at my ceiling, maybe I hope you're tuning in, Tom, because here's how I would fix it. I would keep Rose on the bench. It would keep the uh, the Hawks, like I was just saying, the, the rotations honest at least. And I've been saying this all season long. I would slide Emmanuel quickly into that starting guard spot and then see what happens. He doesn't seem to be afraid of the moment. He seemed to be to relish the moment. Get him in there. See what happens. He's quick. He's twitchy. See what he can do with Trey Young. And, and the other thing I would do, the other suggestion I would do right off the bat and maybe this is uh, the unpopular opinion here, and a caller disagreed before, but listen, what you're doing on Trey Young, it's not exactly working. So switch it up a little bit. I'd give him a little bit more of a cushion. I wouldn't guard him so face guard, press type at the perimeter. I'd give him a little cushion. I'd, I would dare him to beat me with, with a, 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 a jumper three feet behind the, the three-point line. Dare him to beat me with that, and then adjust accordingly. Instead of giving him the the driving the lane, um, you know, just lay-in sort of shots that he's so good at, the pinpoint shots that he's just so good at, and then he draws the foul, and then you give him an extra bonus. It, it, that's not working. So you, you have to try something different. This is a must-win game for the Knicks. I don't care what you say. It's a must-win game, and they need to do something different. And those are two things that you could do differently right off the bat that I think would make a difference. And, of course, if he starts drilling three points in your face, well, then then you make the adjustment. But come out, give him a different look, and see what happens. What do you have to lose? Really, you have nothing to lose. And then Julius Randle, ah, oh, NBA's most improved player, huh? He was serenaded with chance of overrated. And at the State Farm Arena, you know, they weren't wrong. Legends in New York City, legends in our town are made in the postseason. And Julius Randle has not lived up to his all-star self throughout this series. I mean, he clearly has some more improving to do at this point in time. I, I, I talked about net rating. He finished Game 3 with a net rating of negative 13.2, which is terrible. Because if you look at maybe Clint Capella, he had a 23.4 rating in that game. All legitimate questions, right? A, is the moment too big for Julius Randle? Is the stage too big for him? B, is it his confidence level? C, is it a factor that he he logged three and a quarter more games worth of extra regular season minutes over the next player in, in the most net minutes played? Which is R.J. Barrett, by the way. Is that starting to take a toll on him? Is it a combination of all of them? Is it something else that we don't know about? We can't answer that. Only Julius Randle can answer that himself. So the fact of the matter is, while Randall has been shooting terribly, he actually has averaged a double-double throughout the first three games. And he wasn't the only Nick with a net rating less than zero in game three. Bullock, Gibson, Rose, Nilakina, Toppin, Noel, all negative ones. And R.J. Barrett, too. He, his was even worse than Randall's. And the only Nick with a positive net rating was Alec Burks. 
4.2. You cannot win games like that. I'm sorry. So the easy way out, the surface reaction is just to pile on Julius Randle. You know, he sucks, blah, blah, blah. Deservedly so, sure. He's not been good. He has not been efficient. He doesn't look like he did in the regular season. Is that also another valid question would be, is it because the defenses have stepped up against him? But he has done his best Harry Houdini disappearing act in these three games. But where's the help, I ask? R.J. Barrett, only seven points in three assists in 28 minutes and 55 seconds worth of work? Exactly zero fast break points for the Knicks in that game three? That tells me they didn't push the ball up the court enough, and they let the Hawks dictate the pace of play from the jump. For a blue-collar team that has prided itself on and defined their identity on, playing hard, never giving up, there was no sense of urgency. There was no sense of wanting to grab a rebound. I watched it. I took notes on it. So if you look out your window right now, if you have a New York City view, you will see that at 2 a.m., I activated the bat signal to look for and to find Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. I climbed up to the roof. I activated the bat signal over this Gotham City here in lower Manhattan. And hopefully just in time for game four and they'll turn it around. And then the Brooklyn Nets got punched in the mouth by Boston. More specifically, uh, Jason Tatum on, on Friday night. Wow. Wow, we. But is there time to panic? No. It's not time to panic with the Nets. Come on, everybody. They're going to beat the Celtics. But the most concerning thing to me is the fact that we know Kyrie Irving, he's an emotional player. We know he's probably an introvert, right? But it's it's been virtually two years before they've gotten to see him in person in a different uniform in that arena. And Steve Nash said that he didn't think that the crowds limited Kai. I disagree. He, he, he put up 16 points only. He's supposed to be the third best player out there. He didn't fit that role. And, and even still, if he's still not the third best player out there on, on Sunday night, later tonight, well, then someone else has to step up. Is it Joe Harris's game then at that point? He only had two assists, which means he wasn't seeing the court well. He wasn't creating enough spacing. And he, he only had two free throws. He made them, but he only had two of them, which means he wasn't driving to the rim to try, try to induce the contact. So to me, when I played, and I was no prolific scorer by any means, but the best way to get out of a bad or even prolonged bad spell, you got to get to the line. And Boston's expecting 17,000 fans as compared to the 26% capacity they had the other night. I mean, that's a worrisome thing for me. Irving has to figure it out himself. And I know we laughed about it. This is my suggestion for him. I know we laughed about it early on in the season, but... Maybe some more sage in, is in order for, for number 11. Who knows? And then the Yankees. Listen, everything was hunky-dory, going well, pitching, everything, until it wasn't. And now I, I, I played Bon Jovi, living on a prayer. Yeah, Tommy and Gina aren't the only ones living on a prayer. It's the Yankees and Brian Cashman living on the right arm of, of Davey Garcia. And I wrote after the game, he did not help his case to remain a cog in the Yankees rotation after this game. And guess what? He was optioned to the AAA site. And if the Yankees can't beat the lowly Tigers, I mean, come on. The Yankees 
0 for 14 with runners in scoring position versus the Detroit Tigers? I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they're just looking to avoid the sweep against the them Tigers. And if that's the case, if they get swept by the Tigers, what a week it's going to be, everybody. The Rays and the Red Sox on the schedule. All at the stadium, I believe. I think they're all home. And then the Islanders. Listen, Islanders got, got beat pretty good. And I s- checked the timestamp. I, t- I t- tweeted it before the game. I would have started Simeon Varlam- Varlamov because he's got better numbers versus Boston than Sorokin does this season. They played him eight times. He knows him pretty well, right? More than any other season. And imagine that you're him now. You've got the better numbers, yet they went with the other guy instead. That must mean, you can conclude, that that must mean that your team has little to no confidence in you. And clearly Sorokin's not going to play every single game in the series. So I'm wondering, I'm curious to see what his mindset is moving forward and how that affects him. Because I I know he's a professional and all that, but come on, that's got that's got to have some sort of effect on you. And the Mets absolutely pummeled. And the word was, I remembered it, you guys tweeted it to me, one of the callers used the word demoralized. Yeah, the Mets demoralized the Atlanta Braves. To my, to my surprise, I'm going to be honest, the, the AAA Mets demoralized the, yeah, Alcuna Jr., Freeman, the, the, the Atlanta Braves. They demoralized the real team of the Braves. 13-2 to on national TV. Look at that. So, I've reset the table for you guys. Everything's on the table for you guys. Let's give it a call, 877-337-6666, and we'll wrap this show up the right way. I'm with you until 6 a.m. when Bob Salter comes your way, coming up after me this morning. I get those goosebumps every time. Welcome back on this Memorial Day weekend to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan. Dave, I'm coming to you right now. I'm going to intro your Islanders point with this. We've got Pat Boyle behind the glass tonight, everybody. On the ones and twos, taking your calls, cutting up hours, doing everything tonight here, you guys. So I I, I want to point to this. I highlighted this in green in my notes here. What about the time off between the games in the playoff series for the Islanders and the and – the, and the, I almost said Celtics. I have, I have BOS written. The Islanders and the Boston Bruins. The Islanders in their series played six games. One was in overtime. One was in double overtime, and the last they played was May 26th, Wednesday. Boston played a five-game series with two overtimes, one double overtime, just like the Islanders, and their last game was Sunday, May 23rd. And then Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy said, as a quote, rest is important. And then they came out and won, 5-2. to two. I wonder if that factors in at all. And Matt Barzell, man, where are you, dude? Still no points. Only one shot on goal. It's going to be a real... This is going to be light work for the Bruins if you don't get going there, dude. So, Dave and Comac, thanks for hanging on. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I watched the game. If the Islanders don't win the series, I think this season is a disaster because last year they went so far mm-hmm. and they just about missed going to the Stanley Cup Finals. They would have won one more game if Verlama would have stayed... In the net, instead of three feet out, yeah. right? I think they would have won that series. And then you got this problem. Here's where the problem is: you got no defense. I see or saw, I think it was in the second period. There's a a Bruin standing to the left uh, of uh, uh, Sorokin. Yeah. Nobody there to guard him. 
and he gets the puck, and boom, it's in the net. Yeah. Then you got uh, Sorokin, again, who uh, catches the puck and doesn't know where the puck is. Yeah, I saw that, too. I was like, what right. do you mean you don't know where the puck is, dude? Right. Oh, the announcers kept saying, oh, he doesn't know where the puck is. How the heck does this guy doesn't know where the puck is? Yeah. Right. He shouldn't be in the net. He shouldn't be on this team. Right, and I've been saying that all along. All well, season. wait a second. Sorokin shouldn't be on the team. He won no. you four games this, so this far. This guy is not ready for the NHL. You can't stand nah. his feet out in front of the net for the most part. I'm not talking about this series, but in the series during the season, and uh, and maybe when they, even when they played the Penguins, the guy's standing too far out in front of that. Varlama does the same thing. I don't see them winning this series. I know uh, your screener uh, disagrees with me. He doesn't think they're going to get swept. I think you're going to see a sweep where you're going to see five games and the Islanders are gone. And I also see there was, is a continuous theme with, uh, with Barzell. Right? Not only does he not score, but he's taking stupid penalties. This team plays no defense, and Barzell uh, takes stupid penalties. This has got to stop. And it's goaltending. They, they should have kept uh, Robin Leonard. This is a disaster. Uh, well, David, thanks for the call. I appreciate the call there. But to, to say that Sorokin doesn't belong on, on the roster, I mean – he had a brilliant series, actually, and and they started Varlamov. I mean, they they sat Varlamov in, in favor of him, and it worked out for them. I just think that they they have good enough goalies. I really do think so that they have uh, different looks for the both of them. I just think it wasn't Sorokin's night. I mean, being in Boston, it's your rookie season. You're expected with no defense. You're expected to to you know save the game for for the Islanders. I just think the moment was too big for him. I think maybe putting him into the series at home would have been better, especially since Varlamov has better numbers versus Boston in, in the regular season. He's got a first Boston in the regular season, 1.93 goals against average, obviously, and a, a 9.43 save percentage. You look at Sorokin, he had a 9.21 save percentage and a 2.23 goals against average in the regular season. So clearly Varlamov had the confidence factor. He was the better goalie, and they didn't pick him. And Matt Barzell... My God, man! If he doesn't get going, this game is this series is over. But I, I am picking the Bruins in six. Sorry, Islanders fans, but I, I see it. Um, Bruins in six. How dare you? Sorry. Oh, I'm, I've got a lot more faith than uh, than Dave does. He might be the biggest Islanders downer <laughs> in terms of a fan that the fan base has. <laughs> well. I mean, he's we, passionate, they're, and they're doing all this again without Anders Lee. People forget that. Mm. But this is this is playoff Islanders, playoff trots. You, you got to give this team a chance to bounce back. It's one game. I mean, they bounced back. They were down two one against Pittsburgh. They won three in a row. They just got to get back to what they do well. They got. They got. They can't let Boston get on the power play. Well, yeah. They got to be smart. He's right with the penalties about Barzell, but they got to be smart, and they'll 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 have a chance to win this series. Absolutely. Still say Bruins in six. What do you have? I would say Islanders in seven. I think this goes okay. a distance. All right. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk this time next week. How's that? <laughs> well, it's probably, hopefully it's still going by next week. Yeah. I, yeah, you're right. Actually, games. Oh, but it's still, see, games one and two are decided, but three, four, five, and six are TBD. Yeah. There's probably going to be a day a day off between Travel each game. game. Yeah. I don't think the Stanley Cup playoffs rarely ever do the two days off like the NBA playoffs does. They really stretch it out. But I think the NHL playoffs, for the most part, it's usually day between each game. For the entirety of a series, maybe with one, one game gets two days off. But I'm pretty sure it's one day off in between each. We'll see. So it should be we'll find out. game two is what, Monday, right? Monday, yeah. I think, it'd be, I think it would be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So game four would be done on Friday night. 
Good. So we'll have this conversation next week. Sure. Let's do it. It'll be 2-2. Two, two. We'll see. All right. Let's go to Walter in White Plains. You're up on the fan, Walter. Hi, Danielle. What's up? I, I just don't understand what this love affair with uh, Clint Frazier. The guy has had 150 plate appearances. He's got three or four home runs, 10 RBIs. He's batting 170. He's not a major league hitter. He's getting more playing time than he deserves. And he just can't hit. It's as simple as that. Everybody loves him. Uh, he needs more playing time. He's, he's got the playing time. He's got as many at-bats as most of the guys in the lineup. And he just doesn't produce. He should be down at AAA. I think the reason they're playing him, they're trying to build up his value in the trade market and get rid of him. I know the Yankees need outfielders, but he's not the answer. And neither is Mike Tockman. Tockman played all last year with the Yankees. He didn't get that many at-bats, maybe 100, and some uh, playing time this year. Zero home runs, a left-handed batter in Yankee Stadium. So where was he the answer? He's a great outfielder, makes great catches, but his hitting he wouldn't help the team at all. So they Walter, definitely so, need outfielders. So yeah, so so ahead, who, so who's so who's your outfield then? What does your outfield look like right now at this point in time? Don't tell me making trades and all that, but who's your outfield right now? You putting John Carlos Stanton out there? No. Okay. Andrew Hart should be playing every day. They destroyed him last year. The guy was uh, when when John Carlos Stanton went down, Miguel Andrew Hart should have been the everyday DH and instead of sending him up and down like a yo-yo yeah. to uh to, the, to these uh, other sites. Yeah. They, they almost destroyed this kid. Mm-hmm. He could play left field. He'll hit center field, right? That's a problem. You've got Brett Gardner, and, and that's he wasn't supposed to be getting all this playing time. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Hicks, as usual, is out for the season. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to wait for uh, the trade deadline and get somebody for center field. And the other, and right field, you know who the right fielder is. But. Definitely, Clint Frazier is not your answer. He stinks in plain English. Well, Walter, and, and thanks for that, but I, I am one of the people that, first of all, I believe that the, the Yankees, I like Mike, Mike Talkman. I should have kept you on the phone, but I like Mike Talkman. Um, he he provides some hustle. I understand, the, but guess what? He, he kind of hits for average, right? And he, pl- he provides some hustle. He, he's on the Bates pads. He, he's, he's always a threat. And then you got a guy back from his only pitched eight innings so far. I mean, you saw Mike Talkman rob uh, Albert Pujols of a game-tying or game-winning home run the other night, Friday night. I mean, come on. Clint Frazier defensively is is excellent defensively. His bat needs to come along. And and I understand what you're saying about, uh, you know, the first problem was that he was getting sent up, set, you know, sent up, set down, you know, benched here, benched there. But I just don't know. It's 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 a confidence factor, I think, for him because when your 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 manager comes out and says you are a left fielder, and then like goes you know redacts it like almost immediately, there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Uh, I, Aaron Boone rarely criticizes players behind that microphone, and he is 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 readily criticizing Clint Frazier outright right on that microphone. I've noticed that he's very got a very short. I'm going to say temper, but short temper with, you know, if John Carlos, John Carlos Stanton strikes out four times in a game, five at bats, four strikeouts, I would be on him. Whereas Clint Frazier does something, you know, if he did the same thing, oh my God, please. I just think there's something going on there that we don't know about behind closed doors. Maybe it's in, 
uh, you know, not listen, as a coach, I didn't get along with every single player of mine. And maybe that's it. Maybe him and Boone just don't get along. I don't know. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is he's batting 172, which stinks. And I was all over Aaron Hicks for batting that same 172, which stinks. I still have a faith, though, that he will turn it around. I really do. I've studied it. I think he's thinking too much. He's trying all these different things. You know, my foot tap here, my hip goes in there. Just get up there and hit the ball, man. He's had great games. I mean, he's had game one when he was the left fielder. Two for three. The next game, uh, what was it? Batted 500. I'll just go by the batting average because the lines are blurring in my eyes right now. But 667 in game one, 500 in game two, 444. And then all of a sudden, they started jerking him around a little bit. Then the average went down. You'll see. I'm looking at it. The average went down after that, after that confidence was shaken out of him. And that was in, he dipped to 185 in, by game eight. I don't know. That's all I got to say about that. Let's go with uh, Don in East Yampank. Don, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, lo- love your show, by the way. Well, thank you. Um, Islander Point. Yeah. I don't know what that poor, sad, angry Islander fan was talking about. <laughs> the, the team has definitely thrived defensively since the changing coach and Lamorello came. Yeah. They won the Jennings Trophy two years ago. They finished second in the league this year, goals against. They play defensive style. This is this game against Boston, blip on the radar. You played the perfect road game. They're tied in the third period with a chance to win, and they got beat because a star player upped his game and took it away from them. Mm-hmm. As far as starting Vlamov over Sorokin, I respectfully disagree with you, only because they usually will ride the hot hand right. until you have a hiccup, right. which is what this game will be considered, even though, Really, he didn't give up bad goals. It'll give Volomov a chance. And, and don't forget, Volomov was banged up going into the Penguin series. Correct. That's why Sorokin got the start in game one. And when he came back for the two games, he was a little little shaky on a few plays, even though he played a good game in the two-to-one. Yep. So it might have just been another effort to ride Sorokin and give Volomov another day to rest up. Could have been. Good points. Yep. And I think that when he gets back in there, which probably will be the next game if if Trotz holds to the way he plays, mm-hmm. he should he should be able to do well. But the, the Islanders, like I said, you can't you can't go bananas because of the final score. It was tied in the third, and that's yes. how the play hockey. They want to be tied in the third or ahead by a goal or two because then they play their shutdown style. They got out islanded tonight, and that's what what basically. <laughs> Well, that, that's uh, I think of when you just said that when uh, Aaron Boone tried to outraise the Rays in that with the opener in the playoffs that didn't work out too well for him. No, and, and <laughs> a point on baseball. I don't want to take up all your time. Yeah, they, 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 you know, I, I, a lot of the callers and, and talk show hosts, including yourself, keep talking about getting the excitement back into the game and getting it. How, how you got to pump this up and why the batting averages are low. It's real simple. The, the dead ball factor of put, put aside. These teams a few years ago changed it with the analytics. Uh, there was there was shows on Major League Baseball how the teams were teaching the players to change the launch angles and uppercuts. Yeah, horrible. And you watch, and you watch the way they swing it. You know, to your point, if you get up there 
and you're starting off an inning and you're, you're a couple runs down, these guys are basically leaving their, themselves out of their cleats to try to hit the ball out of the park, yep. no matter what the situation. Back when I played, they talked about covering the plate. You know, you took your, your swings <laughs> to try to drive a ball, yeah. and then when you were down in the count, you covered the plate. They do not. That's why you see a lot of these players on, on the pitches that are out, just outside the strike zone. Mm -hmm. They look like they couldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole because they're still trying to get around and drive that ball. And you don't need to take the shift away. Like you said, punish it. It's a copycat league. If one team ever committed to playing old-school baseball – and, and decided we're go, we're gonna we're gonna make them pay for what they're doing and was successful. The rest of the league would follow because that's how we got to the analytics in the first place. Right, the copycat league. Right, and yeah. and they want the home runs for whatever reason. I guess they think that's excitement, but walk, home run, and strikeout is not exciting. Nope. During the pandemic last year, when they were showing a lot of the old Met and Yankee games. I was watching a lot of those 86 Met games in the playoffs in the World Series. Those games were definitely exciting to watch in baseball. And you guess what? Not a lot of home runs. A lot of bat on ball. Oh, lot, yeah. Hit and run. Stolen bases. How about that? Errors, you know, just yeah. wild pitches. It had a little bit of everything. In it. Yeah. Don, I'm, I'm with you. Sorry, Don, but I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. That's the kind of baseball I like to see. But this this is just and, – and the pace of the game – is is slow, and I mean by like TV timeouts and all that. Like, I tell you, I get lost. I love baseball, and I get lost around when they start taking the pictures out and this and that. I I I start to look at my phone. I start to pay a little less attention. But uh, no. Uh, let's see. Syndergaard sent out a tweet to uh, inform everybody about his injury status. I will tell you what that is coming up after this short break, and this is your last chance, everybody, to get aboard. 877-337-6666. The Pat Boyle special at 540 in the morning. I miss this. Pat, it's been a while since we worked together. I like it has been it's been like two months um it's been you know producing other shifts during the weekend yes. but i honestly forgot like when i first started playing this i was like wait a minute is it even sunday with the <laughs> holiday weekend yeah. and been doing overnights doing overnight and then another overnight again tomorrow i just like wait a minute is today sunday saturday what the hell day is it you got it we're good we're good so we got lionel richie taking us home i like it and uh these callers are going to take us home too so we uh back time is 56 all right here we go everybody oh the quick update from noah syndergaard um he was shut down for another six weeks, zero throwing whatsoever. Right elbow inflammation, they're calling it. Um, and uh, that, that kind of stinks after an abbreviated rehab start Tuesday in Port St. Lucie. So he took to Twitter on Friday and he said, I'm A-OK, -okay, everyone. See you soon. Hashtag LFGM. And then he put a gif with like, uh, you know, nothing to see here, everybody. So uh, kind of puts him back in, uh, I would say August, mid-August. Beginning, maybe, but mid-August, I would think. But the good news is they aren't missing him. Like, the, the the Yankees are missing Kluber. Like, he's an addition. He will be an addition. And the other good news, Stroman's been solid. And the Mets' staff has been solid. So this will be an add-on special. So a little setback, but I think the team still – I think the team isn't setback, if that makes sense. Because all everybody's been pitching well, and Carrasco's coming back soon, too. Okay, uh, let's go in the last – I don't know, 10 minutes or so, you guys. 877-337-6666. Bob in Putnam, Connecticut, you're up. 
Good morning. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, I really want to watch basketball. I really want to like it. Mm-hmm. But the three-point shot is killing the game. I mean, I, I try to watch it. I just don't want to watch a three-point contest. So what I thought the way to fix it would be get away from the three-point shot. I mean, eliminate it. Just no more three-point shot. But make the three-point shot any shot within 10 feet from the basket. And I think it would improve the game, more passing, more inside play, more physical play. What do you think? Um, Bob, and thanks for the call, and thanks for keeping that short there. Um, Listen, I I guess I'm sort of like a blend of new and old school. Uh, I'm watching the the Grizzlies-Utah game right now um, on on TV. I like the three-point shot. I think it spreads out the floor. Um, I also like seeing dunks and alley-oops and stuff. So eliminating the three-point shot, maybe if you were going to go with, as you were talking, maybe inverting a three-point and a two-point shot, like, you know, the the spots on the floor, maybe I'd go for that. But I don't like watching the three-point contest either, I'll be honest. So the way to fix it is not going to be to eliminate it altogether. It's just... It is what it is for right now. I just think that um, I don't know that that's that's a question that I need to ponder a little bit. But I don't think eliminating it is going to be the answer. I, it's exciting to me isn't passing. Exciting when I watch basketball, I don't want to watch it for passing. I watch it for alley oops. I watch it for dunks, and I watch it for for threes that are drained from the logo. Honestly, maybe those should be worth four points. I don't know. All right, uh, uh, Riverview, Pennsylvania. We go, little Teddy Z. You're up. Hey, good morning, Daniel. Uh, your star isn't rising, young lady. It has risen. Oh, I've been on hold since, well, I've been trying to call in since 2.30. Oh. I've been on hold for over an hour. You're in now, Teddy. Hey, what do you got? Hey, you're, you're, you're on the rise here, lady. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, first off, can I give a, a quick uh, tip of the hat to the orange and black truck drivers there on the East River? Let them know that pal people deliver, fellas. All right. I retired. Right. Teddy, Teddy, we're up against it. They, okay. they got it. We got the uh, shout-out. Go ahead. What, what do you what, got for me? I wanted to ask you yeah. about your background. Yes. Uh, I know I've listened to your very first show. Mm-hmm. You've vastly improved. Thank you. I know you go by coach. Mm-hmm. What do you coach? How long have you coached? And the other thing I wanted to ask, what is, why do you think injuries are so prominent in just about every professional sport? But more so in baseball, mm-hmm. you know, a yeah. guy swings and his shoulder is injured, his wrist is shoulder, yeah. or his wrist is hurt. Uh, he's running down the first baseline, grabs grabs the back of his leg because he's pulled a hamstring. Mm-hmm. What do you think's going on here? Got it, Teddy. Thank you. Um, so I coached softball for four years, volleyball for ten, actually. So and then injuries wise, especially baseball. Okay, injuries in general, I think are are a big problem. Not a problem, but they're exacerbated by the fact that these athletes make so much money and that the, the teams are just trying to protect their investment. Like if you had, you know, uh, I, I likened it to like like a Ferrari, right? If you you have a Ferrari and then you have a brake issue or something wrong with your Ferrari, you're going to take it right away to, to get fixed. You're not going to wait for that problem to blossom into something else because you've invested so much money into it. If you think of it that way, like, like as an asset, I hate to say it, but like as an asset, you don't want that asset to be ruined. So therefore, you take the necessary precautions and you put them on the IL or you have load management or whatever. In terms of baseball, I don't know specifically about baseball, but I'd have to think that playing a 60-game season and now ramping it up to a 162-game season has something to do with it. That's my best guess. But the next time I talk to an MLB player, 
I will ask that question. But that that would be my best guess uh, right now. Let's go to Maury in Belmore. You're up on the fan. Great show, Danielle, as usual. Thank you. Really enjoying it. Uh, great. You know, I wanted to talk about two things, the sure. Knicks and the Yankees. I think what they're both missing, and you as a coach would know it, it's fundamentals, number one, and number two, grit. There seems to be a disappearance of that, hey, I'm playing for today, just the stars not stepping up, you know, uh, Randall, for example. I mean, these are the things that when we remember some of the greatest highlights of sports growing up with kids, is there one or two of those guys, whether it be a Derek Jeter, mm-hmm. a Patrick Ewing, even though he hasn't won the championship, just remember him backing up to the, to the hoop and, and then laying it up or, you know, things like that. I feel like these athletes today, the, the way Boone treats these kids, it just doesn't seem, it just, something is off. And I don't know, I don't know what it is. I mean, like we could blame it on the ball, but there just seems to be something broken in the fact that there's no, Heart when they get up there. I don't know. I don't know what I'm missing. It's almost like a Yankees. Yeah, Yankees is almost like a like a lackadaisical sort of approach. Like, oh, you know, we'll get him. We'll get him. You know, I saw a quote. I I got to find it really quick. Um, post game, Glaber Torres. He was asked about the Yankees' offensive struggles so far in Detroit. He gave a nice answer, but part of that answer, in part of it, he he said it's just two games. Well, two games cost you a series. You know what I'm saying? So yes, I'm with you on that. I think I think that that's that's a per- perfect example of maybe it's the generation I don't know I don't know everyone gets a trophy I don't know what it is but, but I'm part of that generation but 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 Maury I'm part of that oh, generation know, too you know and you're I'm not a very like that small few that realize it you realize it but what you said before about Boone protecting uh, Jen Paul oh he struck out five times but I like the way he's seeing the ball yeah oh that bury, drives me crazy very Clint Frazier and then he'll bury Clint Frazier for yes. Maybe, uh, Striking out on, on, a, on, a, on a pitch, but the yes. way the, 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 the caller before, the way they're swinging, how they're swinging, analytics, it has ruined the game of baseball. It's gotten kids to basketball and other sports. It's their fault. They need to fix it. I don't know how, but this analytics thing is killing it. And with the Knicks, they're going to win today, and they're going to win on the shoulders of Randall and the kid. I think they're going to be fine. I think Quigley starting is a great idea on having Rose come off the bench. Thank you. I'm just excited to watch playoff baseball. Awesome uh, basketball as well. Um, awesome uh, calls today, and you've been awesome. I love listening to you. It's so great to start my week. Oh, Mark, thanks. I appreciate it. I'll be back next week. This time next week. <laughs> you'll be up. You'll hopefully, be up. hopefully you give me a call then. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, we can go next to John in Freehold. John, you're up next. Hey, good morning, Danielle. How are you today? Good. How are you, John? What's up? Well, we'll see what happens this afternoon. That's not how good I'm going to be, Danielle. You know, this Nick Hawk series has showed me that the Knicks got work to do this upcoming offseason. Well, you knew they that, got, though. Come on, John. You knew that. Yeah, they, I mean, they got to find an elite point guard, and they got to find a better answer than Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle's part of their future, but he can't be the lead man. They got to find somebody better than him to be the A guy and have he, him be the uh, A minus guy. Let me ask you this, so John. I, How about Mitchell Robinson? We haven't seen him. What do you think about him? I think I think the, the the Yankees. I think the Knicks are really missing Mitchell Robinson at this juncture in time. Oh yeah, of course. There's no question they miss they uh, miss Mitch. But you, the biggest problem when you look at it right now from this this theory standpoint is the lack of ball movement and mm-hmm. the Christmas in their passing has been very evident in this series yeah. from when they were rolling and doing well during the regular season. Yeah. That was a trademark. Quick decision-making, great passing, crisp passing, mm-hmm. getting guys on the ball, everybody touching the ball, making shots. And Julius Randle right now, he doesn't look fluid at all. No, he, he looks like 
deer in headlights sort yeah. of kind of. The, the fluidity in his game has been lost in his series. I think he's feeling the pressure of the double and a triple team. And, and you've got these arenas full of uh, rabid fans now. I, I think that's a definite factor in him, in him suffering right now. And uh, there's an evident lack of confidence in his teammates because he's not passing the ball out of these double and triple teams officially like he was when he was, when he was playing well and the team was playing well. Right. And they're also missing a lot of easy baskets under the, under the rim, Daniela. How many easy baskets has, has uh, uh, Nerlens Noel Barrett missed <laughs> yeah. from point-blank range that they don't normally miss? Yeah. Uh, Clint Capella is a big reason for that. But you can neutralize Capella if you just move the ball right. and, and you hit shots. You keep the defense honest. And their perimeter shooting, uh, their perimeter defense has been horrendous. They've been giving up way too many wide-open threes in this series, and it's broken their back. You know, and, 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 and I, I don't know. I, I'm hopeful that they can win. I hope they win the series. But like I said, they got a whole lot of work to do in the offseason. they got to get an elite point guard on this team. And I talk about uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, you got to try to convince him to uh, opt out of that contract and come here as a free agent so you don't have to give up any draft picks right. or, or, um, or anybody off the roster like you would for Damian Lillard or anybody else that's the lead out there. Right, and John, i got, I got to cut you off right there. But yes, the point is Julius Randle has no one else really to pass the ball to because R.J. Barrett scored seven points the other night. So I'm with you. They, they need a scorer. The, the, the Knicks need a scorer, and that's something that we knew coming into this series. The, the Knicks, listen, they made the playoffs. That should be enough to, to attract somebody with, with a higher level of talent. And Lenny, if you can keep this real quick, you'll be our last caller of the night. Thing on the trim. Welcome back. Thank you. Quick thing on the three-pointer. They should make that only only active in the last two minutes of a quarter. Mm. I think that would be good. All right. And the Knicks, uh, I think they just played too high of an intensity during the during the season, and they don't have another level to go up to. Yeah. I think that could be an issue. And a quick thing, mm-hmm. I got a friend um, whose cousin put on Cameo uh, that he didn't, he had a bunch of guys come on, a bunch of ex-Knicks and everything, mm-hmm. saying how he bet against the Knicks not making the playoffs. So I just want to say on WFN that Louis Zoll, you're an idiot for not saying that the Knicks were going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> well, Lenny, <laughs> that's I, I, a topic cameo. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for keeping it short there. Listen, I think that thanks, Lenny. I appreciate that. Um, listen, you guys, I think the Knicks are going to win today. I think the Knicks are going to win the series actually. And when you think about it, think about it, everybody. They lost Game One with point nine seconds left on a Trey Young point blank range drop in. Okay, with Point nine seconds left. They almost had that game until point nine seconds left. Okay, and then they had uh, game two. That was also a win. Okay, I, I and listen. Game three was a blowout. I get it, but I think the Knicks are going to win this game. I think the Nets are going to win. I think the Islanders are going to win their next game on Monday, and um, and I'll, I'll tweet out my predictions for the series as well. So thanks to all the callers. This was great tonight. Could not have done this without you. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Enjoy the barbecues. Remember the real reason. Be safe. If you missed any portion of the show, you guys, the Odyssey Rewind feature, bring it back to 2 a.m. Pat Boyle, awesome. Love working with you, Pat. Until next time, whenever that is. Also to Mike McCann on the updates. Bob Salter is coming your way next. Coach McCartan at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Let's keep that conversation going. I will see you guys same time, same place next week. And hopefully our teams are still in the playoffs, everybody. We'll see. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.